Okay, good. All right, now I'm recording. <laughs> I am wearing uh, my favorite kind of shirt. Uh, the Indian food exploded all over me when I cracked the container. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, and and it looks like I slaughtered. Oh, you're still in it. Uh, like it's 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 like slaughtered the korma monster basically. Right. Uh-huh. I'm just covering its gore. These are the costs. Yeah. I can't plug this into my fucking now. Oh, Kato, did you figure out where were we getting Echo off Patrick uh, today? That was me. Um, okay. I think everything was just a little louder, and my yep. headphones were a little too loud. Yeah. I just I'm. Because I have not done the mature thing and got off the open headphones uh, for podcasting, oh, I was still like, on your stream thing. I hope it's not me. <laughs> no, I'm not on the stream thing because that's not like super comfortable to wear. So wait, so then um, how are you? How are you? Why were you getting an echo today? Because your well, voice was coming through Kato's phones. Yeah, his mic. I was just uh, my my mic was too high up. Basically, uh, uh, that makes uh, sense. Uh, uh, that happens. There we go. Nice. Right. All right. Ring light. Uh, yeah, I never use it. I should. Um, I think I would look less, less sinister on these recordings. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, everyone on time.is? Can be. There we go. Day of the programmer. <laughs> Finally, the programmers <laughs> will have their day. True chaos energy would be like doing time.is at the end of the podcast. Oh. Yeah, you have to reverse it. You have to death loop edit this entire fucking pod. Uh, well, in theory, right. you would just, in theory, you just line 18? up the clap at the end and work your way back. That's not 18. how any of this works. Shh. I didn't get it. I didn't hear what you said because it's talking over people. Sorry. What was the second that we were supposed to clap on? It was 18. I didn't but that's hear not- All right, let's go 32. 32. 32. It just occurred to me because it felt like I was calling a snap count. I 100% did the same, yeah. So excited when we wrap this to watch the Manning cast. Uh, I haven't caught any of it, but I saw some early uh, commentary on Twitter that was, they are giving us too much information too fast, and this is exhausting. Oh, I bet, And I was dude. like, fucking yeah. That's, it's so fun that they cast it, or that they that they got hired to do this. It's very funny. Look, Archie Manning didn't warp these two kids uh, <laughs> just so you could stare at these pearls of wisdom. Uh, oh, I just got a slice of pizza uh, on a street near me, and it was next. The pizzeria has, like, outdoor seating, and it's next to a bar, and the bar has a TV facing outwards, uh, playing the game, and there were, like, three dudes 
two guys who were just hanging out, and then one dude who works at a fruit stand nearby, just watching the game and bullshitting. Um, and that I don't know why they don't go inside to do that. I guess they're hanging out with their friend from the fruit who runs the fruit stand. But I guess they just do Monday Night Football out on the street. <laughs> yeah. Hey, nice. Why not? Got their thing. Everyone has their thing. Exactly. Honestly, it's a nice what? night hanging outside watching Monday Night Football. Charles Barkley. What? Also there. Yeah, he was oh. also on the Manning thing. <laughs> what? I thought you I, when you said that I thought, I thought you were like, not Charles no, Barkley. Yeah. I hundred percent like, thought that was a classic Cotto. That's a classic Cotto. <laughs> I can't read the emotion. I can't tell. Oh, Damn it! Fuck. Charles. Uh, the same utter surprises if he had died, I guess. It, yeah, if he, if he had died, what would you have done differently? You'd been like, what? No, Charles I'm, Barkley? It's the same. And I'd be like, Charles Barkley? Oh, no. That's what you did! No, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> you just more. did like a, like a Metal Gear version of it. Charles, yeah. Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Are we not in it? Is this not it? Yeah, what do you mean? No, what do you mean? Look, all right. After Dark is all right. I have a whole I intro. I have a whole intro. Oh do your intro. God. That's not After right. Dark. Look, there's some changes here. Wow. We're getting right. organized. Uh-huh. And I'm hit you with them right now. Yeah, please. Hit What's me up, Waypoint Plus listeners? Hope we okay. crushed it at work today and are ready to bring that billionaire mindset to our side hustle. Here to keep you company while you <laughs> get that Christ. bread. Oh, You're already business up. mentors. No one Waypoint. says mindset. No one says oh, mindset anymore. God. You have to go back to it again. You have to say grind set. Wow. That's what the kids <laughs> are saying you know what? these days. Well, Austin, just, you know, <laughs> don't want to spoil anything for you, but just, you know, listen to listen to the podcast. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're, we're a hustle culture pod now. Oh, okay. Um, Congrats. We're, uh, we're we selling got that sneakers. mentality. Love uh, capitalism. You know, go back to work. I got it. Yeah, absolutely. Take the meeting with Jay-Z. I get work, it. <laughs> work two jobs. Why stop there? Who Jesus. needs sleep? Uh, it is 9.17 p.m. on the East Coast right now. <laughs> yeah, it is. And Rob owes me a fucking story. Oh, okay. Ooh, story Ooh. time with Rob Zachney. Yeah, yeah. I've been hearing uh, about, like, he, this, uh, this has been on the docket for, for weeks now. He goes on well, vacation. Well, no, now right. he can't live yeah. up to it. Okay. Oh, well, oh, but. He says lifting a glass of Chardonnay. <laughs> this is... I'm sorry, this is whiskey. Okay, well, I could only see the type of glass it was, and I assume. It looked And yellow. the color of the yeah. liquid. Uh, oh, I, oh, I see now. There was no stem. Mm. I You raised it so I could only see the top of it's the white so, wine. It's white wine night at the Zach. <laughs> I, I wanted a glass that could double as a wine glass, I, yes. a whiskey snifter, and it would be hard for me to knock the fuck over. I cannot have stemware in this mm. house. I understand. I get it. Um, but you though, can see where I made the mistake, given these are what? both smaller and less flat bottomed than I hoped. Oh, okay. And Mina's tail will sweep them to the floor uh, as they will, as as it will TV remotes, uh, books, everything. Uh, anyway, story. Time. So, yeah, so story time. Uh, let me tell you, I may have I don't know if I let our listeners in on this, but uh, so I was very excited to get married uh because well i mean one i love mk and that was gonna be great uh mk is pretty fine to me uh but also i was like i'm getting married i'm gonna wear a tailored suit like enough of this you know off the rack stuff like just once in my life i want to have that experience of like made to measure like let's do it and so i went to a place in boston that's pretty fancy 
Um, and it's all the fancy bullshit. Like you have to book your appointment. The showroom is like blocked out just for you. Very like pretty woman or scent of a woman or other, uh, retrograde nineties, uh, of a woman, <laughs> movies. the of a woman franchise. Yeah. The of a woman verse. Right. So the thing is like, it was, it was cool. Um, it was way less, uh, vulnerable, I guess I'd say, than a lot of like off the rack experiences. Cause it's like, oh, yeah. there are no pre made sizes waiting for you that you can like fail out of because of your body type. Like, no salesman's like, ooh, no, I don't, oh, I thought, I really thought you'd have the build for this. No. Instead, yeah. you're just like, oh, it's gonna, it's gonna look great on you. And like, we're going to bring those powerful shoulders to life. And yes, yes, bring them to life. Bring the powerful <laughs> shoulders to life. And so we're going through it. But after the fact, I was like, did he take enough measurements? Because <laughs> when I got the smoking jacket, MK did a million measurements to make sure it fit. And I was right. like, wow, this is a lot of measurements, maybe overkill. But in afterwards, I was like, did he get all the measurements he needed? And I couldn't, I was like, I'm sure he knows what he's doing. It's, it's fine. And then everything was coming in super hot because, um, I classic me, I took too long to actually book the like suit purchasing appointment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, mm. and then the suit got caught in customs. Um, mm. like it, for some reason it went through customs in like Ohio. um, and so we were just it, talking, you know, and, you know, in the arc of uh, recent Waypoint podcasts, uh, we had a whole we had a whole sidebar about what the fuck's going on with Ohio. Why do people like Ohio so much? So, you know, this is just adding element to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was like getting increasingly alarmed. And at one point, um, like I can't remember what the what the context was for this. But I'd asked about, like, could I get a matching uh, mask in the fabric uh, for the, for the suit? And the woman was like, oh, I'm sorry. It's far too late for that. Like, I could ask. But um, when I like they've already cut the material for the suit and they yell at me when I try to put in the like changes to the order. Um, they're a really good factory, but like. They're kind of agro Italian dudes when I call them, so I try not to like throw any curveballs. And they're like, and but but she's like, but you'll have the suit, I promise, uh, in plenty of time uh, for your September fourth wedding. And I was like, uh, hold up. Uh, uh, when was the when was the wedding again? September first. Ah, <sighs> oh boy, three days like, earlier. Boy. Yeah, so I was like, that's mm. um. <laughs> so I like have you considered quick? a death loop like solution <laughs> in which you just go back you go forward you get it and then you bring it with you back you I was frantically replaying that conversation like somewhere on the timeline I'm having a conversation yeah. where either I get the date wrong yep. or I get the date right and he's just like well who would get married on a Wednesday and just <laughs> plugs it in for the nearest Saturday uh -huh. uh, and, and lets it go so it's coming in hot and I have my first, like my appointment, uh, to sort of get the suit, like, uh, at that point fitted, basically like the suit delivered, uh, you know, get, get it fitted for any alterations. Um, 
And I'm like, well, this is going to be cool, though, because I'm going to show up and it's going to be like it's going to fit beautifully. I got dress shirts before this happened. The dress shirts fit amazingly. I was like, wow, they crushed it. This is going to be awesome. I get there and I start to pull up the suit pants. And I have trouble getting them around my calves. Like they just grip on. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is really tight. Mm -hmm. Like the rest of the pants fit, but I look down and I'm like a cartoon character. Like (laughs) my Popeye situation going on, but with your calves. Yeah. Just my calves. Yeah. And so the, the, the fabric pattern is warping around my lower leg. Yep. And I'm like, it seems a little tight, maybe more than a little, maybe really tight guys. And so the same guy who measured me is there and he's like, yeah, I don't like we can, you know, obviously we can open that up with some alterations, uh, you know, nothing, nothing to worry about there. Uh, but everything else, like the fit looks good. And I was like, well, it's really tough to tell because like i can't really pull the pants up to the right position because they're just like seized on my calves and he's like yeah i totally get it but um you know i think once we get these alterations uh through like it's it's gonna look beautiful look if it's if it's really well and while he's saying this he the there's a woman there who i've never seen before uh fairly young um it's tough to tell when like someone's wearing a mask but her eyes seem very wide and a bit panicked. She's putting it together. Yeah. And I'm like, (laughs) he's like, it's all good. And she's looking at me like she knows something is wrong, but is just like not, it's not in her power to say anything. But, and this is, here's the thing about me. I probably defer too much to perceived expertise. Like, what do I know about, (laughs) tailoring a suit i don't know right. shit sure yes. yeah, but I, I this don't, guy okay I, I don't know that like this situation necessarily demands self-critique over like you know what i mean like i feel no, like, but like what he's saying, the- there are other people who in this moment would have said hey something's wrong here can you are you sure that the alterations are going to be enough for my cat and i think that person probably would have said yeah you're good because right. I'm just saying, like, he's yeah. he's had mentally padded expectations I, that, yes. like, hey, like, this is all within the realm of, like, normal, yeah. but, like, this is kind of how it comes but out. at the same time, like, you know how pants, you know how pants work, and you're like, where is the extra fabric for this adjustment going to come from? Right, like, they it's, can't, they could hem it tighter, but how, they can't, where are they going to make more of it? <laughs> right. Right. Or we're just gonna sew the panel, <laughs> which they'll the do. That is a thing that you yeah. can do, yeah. but it's not. But ideally, when you're getting a tailored suit, it just fits. They so, start with enough fabric. They they're kinda, like, okay, they measure twice, cut once. It's gonna come in a little hot, but plenty of time uh, for your wedding, which is on Wednesday. We know that now, <laughs> uh, so we will see. You. We'll deliver the final uh, suit on uh, Tuesday. And you'll be good to go. And I was like, great. So, mind you, in those days, like, we are wedding day, uh, like, minus five. We have five days till till the wedding. In five days, I could go down to a number of places and be like, hey, fit me out for a Something. pair of pants. Right. Yeah. Right. But instead, I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to push all my chips in yep. on these alterations. So, we go down there. Uh, MK and I, 
we go down there to Boston and she's antsy. She's nervous. She's like, I don't like that. We don't have your suit yet. And I was like, look, look, babe, (laughs) one of two things is going to happen. Either this is fine or they fucked up in the worst way possible. uh, And there's nothing we can do at this point. But I am sure for what we're paying them, there's no way they could have fucked up in the worst way possible. So let's Either just they enjoy fucked our up lunch. Or you're going to marry someone in jean shorts. You know? It's going to be one or the other, babe. What do they got at the men's warehouse? Right. Like, that's the what thing do you that's got killing rack? me. If you hear me go like, yep, it's because I've had this experience. If it wasn't for a wedding, it was for when I was introducing and interviewing Yoshiyuki Tomino during Anime, anime oh. NYC, the creator of Gundam. Uh, the lead on the Gundam franchise. I also got a. I, I had a suit. It fit. I was like, let me get a new suit. I have a gift certificate to Men's Warehouse. I haven't been, you know, uh, fitted for a suit in a long time. And I told them I had an event on a Saturday. They were like, awesome. It'll be ready. And they meant Saturday night, and I meant Saturday afternoon. Mm. And so <laughs> it was going to be ready an hour after I had to be on stage. And I was like, all right, cool. So a lot of these exp- and all, a lot of the stuff around, like, are you sure? Is this really? Hmm. You don't really fit people like me that often, do you? Uh, a lot of that oh, experience. Wait, did, but did you get your? Was the suit no. good when you got it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I got it. It's fine. It's a nice suit. It's in my okay. closet. But like, I've had, I haven't, I have not had uh, an a event to wear to it, wear it yet. Yeah. <laughs> wear it yet. It's around my apartment sometimes when I feel fancy. That doesn't happen, <laughs> but it's funny to think about. It's nice mm-hmm. to have a. Well, I, I assume it'll be nice to have a nice suit because oh, when no. I when we go do the pickup. Like, it's only the, it was only the woman I saw, the guy who measured me, the guy who, like, said everything was like, he is gone. They're high, they're high, they're high, they're high, you know, cut to, like, a second camera unit yes. on the reality show, <laughs> hi, hiding in the closet, just like, hey, you know what, she's taking the hit today, like, this happens, this <laughs> happens, uh, you got this, kiddo. So, I go into the dressing room, the pants lock up around my calves in the exact same way before there is no difference whatsoever and somehow my suit seems a little bit off now too the suit jacket seems a little bit sure and i'm like what the fuck like what like the alterations didn't work that i can say that much but already like it feels a little weird and certainly like the pants the alterations just didn't happen uh so i'm like hey uh, these don't work. Like, I feel like she's like, well, <laughs> try, try them out a little bit, like walk around. And I'm like, I'm finding it difficult to walk. They're not shoes. And like, they're not going to, you're not going to break in those pants. Well, if no. you do, you're going to break the pants. Right, dude, right. There was a point where I sat down and I swear to God, it was the most prim, knees together, like gentle, like side saddle sitting I've ever done. Because like I felt like if I just like dropped my hips, oh, I would just rip those pants from like stem to stern and like explode out of it like the Hulk. So I'm like, I think we need more alterations. And she's like, well, the tailor just slaps. And I was like, please, for the love of God, can we come back? So she gets on the phone and she's like, um, like she, she gets on the phone. And she's like, uh, Kamal, I've got the patient, uh, not the patient, but that's how I felt. <laughs> Scrub up Kamal. 
I've got the customer right no, here. No, he's on call. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't actually get to go to bed. He's. Um, she's like, so Kamal, he's going to explain to you, uh, what he needs. Cause the alterations like weren't good. Um, and I was like, yeah, Hey, um, I appreciate like the turnaround. Uh, sorry to like get in your day like this, but it's still really tight in the calves and like the pants don't really fit. And he was like, yes, yes. Got it. Uh, like too tight in the chest. I can fix that. No problem. And I was like, not the chest. Uh, come on, it's the, it's, it's the calves. And he was like, yeah, yeah, no problem, my friend, no problem. Uh, just open that chest right up. And I was like, well, hold on, <laughs> point of order. Uh, so I'm talking about my calves between my knee and my ankle. And he was like, yes, yes, no problem, chest. This is, this is what, like, the first place uh, I went to go get a haircut around my, uh, house. Uh, uh, uh I went to a place that had some decent reviews, just didn't have an actual person to get the haircut from and curly hair can be a little weird to get, you know, a haircut from. So I kind of bounce around and usually find someone that I feel comfortable with. And, uh, it was pretty long. So I wanted it short, uh, but I didn't want to tell people's definition of an, of an inch, uh, varies quite a bit. And so I will usually want an inch and a half off of my hair, but we'll tell people an inch to see where we go uh, from there. And then if we come back, I can give you the real number. Um, and, uh, this person, they didn't didn't speak perfect English, but they, you know, seemed totally fine. And the, there was a, a woman there that helped navigate the the language disparity. And uh, uh, I thought that was settled. And so I'm like looking at my phone waiting. And then all of a sudden, um, the lady creeps up behind me and I hear, Bzzz, and I'm like, well, what are we doing with a razor? That's That's never been done to my hair. And she's like, she's like centimeters from like buzzing my hair when I like go, like, what are we doing here? She's like, She's like, leave an inch. And I'm like, no, 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 like comes from somewhere like between the Balkans and like Northern Iran. Like there's, there's a belt of great tailors running across Europe and into like South Asia, like at least around here. And that's where like, and and they're all like 60 years old. And I do not know where this non-renewable resource is going to go in like 15 years time. Uh, I don't know where the next generation of old shit drinking tailors tailors are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so wait, she's what's like, the hey, resolution on. here? Yeah. She's like, come on, why don't you just come back and uh, we'll stay here and you can just see what's going on. Hey, okay, so I need some uh, clarity here. Uh, at the point that you're doing this, when are you supposed to be getting married? Uh, let's see. 22 hours. Okay. Cool. All right. That's yeah. all right. That's, that's that's bad, but that's less bad than yeah. I in my yeah. head in which you were had said that your partner was nervous. I was like, are you guys like strolling into Boston, exactly. grabbing this, <laughs> changing at the place, and then going to get married? That's where I thought we were in my head. So, okay, that gives me a some better perspective yeah. on where we're at. All right, keep going. So, um, Kamal comes back, and he is indeed a shit kicking like seventy year old Taylor. Um, immediately sees what's going on and he does not sound pleased. But he also keeps saying rather alarmingly, 
no problem, no problem, but in a tone that makes me think there are problems. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's like, yeah, I can, I can, uh, you know, I, I can open these legs up. No problem. Uh, you'll have them back soon. Um, what mm. time do you close? Six. He's like, okay, well, would seven work? And the woman running the shop is like, I would like to be home. And he was like, yeah, it's no problem. I'll just open the store up myself uh, and come back. So he's going to go take care of it. He wants to take back. He wants to take it back to his workshop. Right. In a different burb of Boston. And I'm like, cool. I guess I'll just hang here in back bay. Um, What time is it now? We are now at like two in the afternoon. We're now down to like uh, 18 hours. Yeah, okay, uh, but I can see, like, I can see rationalizing, like, hey, we're here, kick still around, nice weather, nice day. we'll go walk yeah. around, go get dinner, be after clear. dinner, yeah. it's a nice, It was a gorgeous day, mm-hmm. great day to walk up and down Newbury Street. Rob loves a walk, a long right. walk, uh, and so we, we, he's ready. Is there a rehearsal dinner on the books for that evening, or? Oh, no, 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 this is okay. an elopement, Kato, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, fuck that. Yeah, like, all right, this yeah, is, no, just making sure. Oh yeah, this no. I, part I of get the, it. This was part of the appeal to Rob. Was yeah. the, the COVID wedding is just oh. it's me, it's you. Well, it's, it's supposed it to involve a suit. No, but, I you understand know, that. Uh, it's similar make. situation, but we can get to that later. Yeah. Um. So the thing is now, though, I do enjoy a walk, but I can't leave the immediate proximity of the tailor's workshop. However, I'm like I got a sinking feeling, and there's multiple tailors up and down Newbury Street. There's multiple places, including places that I passed up. Uh, to like buy from this place in the first place. So I dejectedly, I begin walking down the street and I come to this place um, called like State and Liberty. And their whole deal, quick aside, I'm kind of interested. It's a cool deal. I'm curious about it. I can't testify to it. They do performance like athleisure style fabrics, but in formal cuts and formal wear. And I have heard people like it is it is like they will give you something that looks like a regular suit, but it will feel like you're wearing a tracksuit. And it's like. A very good, like, total camouflage. This is like a classic. This is like wrestlers who have to wear jeans in the ring. But like also they need to fit like athletic pants and let them wait they're not cool. wearing special jeans no they i mean they're wearing special jeans they are wearing jeans that are like i i read a whole thing about this last That's, year or the year before uh like because it doesn't look like whole. uh denim tights they look like real jeans yeah they are they are some sort of special provider for jeans that are good to wear in the ring they might still be denim but they may be treated in a certain way i i you know i'll yeah. have to look into this so i go in there i'm like if anyone can help me, it's the people who make stretchy uh, sportswear-inspired uh, pants. So I go in there. I'm like, "Hey, uh, this is weird. I've got like, I basically need replacement pants, possibly today for right. my wedding tomorrow." Um, the other place up the street kind of didn't work out. Um, can you help me out? And they're like, uh, "That's tough because like all our stuff is also." pretty much made to measure. We don't have a lot of options uh, off the rack. But then it turned out one of the guys at the store comes back, uh, comes from around the back. He's like, wait, what happened at that place? No way. Like, I know I need to hear all about this because I used to work there until a couple months ago. He's like, who measured who measured you? Was it Benton? 
And I was like, yeah. And he was like, and the measurements are wrong. I was like, it's like my calves are exploding out of this thing. (laughs) And then he just sort of snorts and he's like, that makes sense. Did you notice what Benton was wearing? And in retrospect, I flash back now. Benton had the frame of a scarecrow. Right. Of course. Incredibly tall, almost like stilt like legs. And the pants he was wearing were like completely skin tight, Um, like (laughs) aggressively tapered, uh, basically grabbing onto his ankles uh, in, in a death grip. Sounds like me in high school. Yeah. And he was like, look, Benton's a genius. Don't get me wrong. But he has a fit he likes, and yeah. sometimes that bias can run away with him. Ooh. And he was like, but who's helping you? Was it Kamal? And I was like, yes, <laughs> it is Kamal. He's like, okay, you could not be in better hands. Kamal is maybe like one of the greatest tailors in Boston. He does. He pointed to a stack of newly delivered parcels in the corner of the showroom. He was like, all of that stuff is stuff Kamal did for us this week. Um, he's like, he is our go-to guy for all this. Like if anyone's going to pull this out of the fire, it's going to be him. However, there have been issues with this place getting like orders screwed up at the factory. Um, just the quality control is, is a struggle and they're having more issues like than they used to. Um, and so while we're having this conversation, he sits me down, hands me a can of white claw uh from their from their fridge because i look like i need one yeah <laughs> and just has me like cry on his shoulder about it incredible um this is service so he's love, like lo- love to offer that you know what i mean that's that's a trained that that's that's all you can do for another person in, in a trying time <laughs> so he's like look come like obviously this is gonna work today like you can't uh like we'd like i'm sure we could hook you up with clothes that you enjoy but like you're kind of locked in the situation. There's one last place you can try down the street. They're a total like warehouse type situation. They did Give provide a, a service though. Imagine all the other ways yeah. you just go into a random ass storefront and they just go, yeah, you're fucked. Sorry, dude. Good luck with whatever you got. Like you came you out doing with a, a wedding. You came right. out with a little bit of hope and yeah. a white claw and, <laughs> and, and like <laughs> reassurance <laughs> yes. that I hadn't been just screwed by two inept assholes. Right. Yeah. Um, And so, I go to the last, like the last chance saloon, basically. And I'm like, it it is the sort of place it has the horniest art I've ever seen. Um, It is like you walk in the door and I swear to God, it's like an Italian model looking like he's performing cunnilingus on another model. Um, And it's like, this is the cut type of action you'll get in our suits. And I was (laughs) like, I can't get into this right now. I just need pants. And, they're like, we don't have pants, man. Like, not at this turnaround. Like, you need this tomorrow? No, I'm sorry. Like, I just, we can't help you. Like, we just had a few days. We could, but uh, good luck. And so now everything rides on Kamal. Go back there um, after getting pretty, not not drunk, but <laughs> we found a nice French restaurant and I drank a lot of wine um and waited for this call to come in we go back he has opened the legs up as much as he can still way too tight yeah like mm-hmm. like what you can expect do? like there's he just, did his best i'm sure yeah um and he's like 
And then Kamal decided to get extremely real with me. He was like, look, my friend. Uh, oh, and I forgot this detail. He had my info, by the way, to make sure he didn't lose my info. He had bought a fresh pack of Marlboro Lights to write my phone number and email down on. Uh, the implication being he would throw out another pack of cigarettes, but like it was a fresh pack. He would still have it. Uh, so he could summon me. <laughs> that says a lot. There's a lot of world building that just occurred with that detail. <laughs> so Kamal's like, either the, either the manufacturing was wrong or the measurements were wrong. And I was like, which do you think it was? He was like, yeah, tough for me to say, but in my experience, measurements, Measurements, measurements are wrong. Uh, and then he like drops his his hand on my shoulder. He's like, my friend. You must tell them I am fat. I have fat leg. They see, but they don't believe they don't. They, they don't understand leg fat, too. And I'm like, that's true, Kamal. Leg <laughs> is fat, too. And he's like, also, also right leg. Fatter than the left. He was like, all legs different. Your legs, very different. And I was like, I have had two surgeries on the same leg. Oh. So there would be different musculature. He's like, yeah, that, so, so the fit, <laughs> not the same. He was like, in my opinion, he's like, oh. take pants, wear them tomorrow. You stand for wedding. You don't sit. And I was like, true. He's like, good enough. But you sit on the way. Uh, <laughs> well, no, because we're because the wedding would be you could change. You could change at the place. I and just commit to only where we were getting yeah. married was a five minute walk from our apartment. Oh, okay. perfect. We live right because we live like, right near a national yeah. park with tons of little views. Um, perfect. Hmm. So I didn't need to sit. Kamal called it, and he's like, "Take pants. You don't need to sit. You just stand. Uh, good enough for wedding." In my opinion, get new pants. Like they make they make new. He was like, these pants, good fit except for calves. Could be shorts. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. So, this is a, what a wonderful pep talk. I mean, I know this like sucks, but like in terms of like how how <laughs> Poor experiences. This man didn't do anything wrong. I, I oh no, this beautiful. man was a king. Kind of beautiful. Like, and the thing is, I did appreciate it was like the least, it felt to me like one of the least fat phobic moments of my life because he's just speaking blunt. Like, that's where his English is at. He's right, just trying get to get to, yeah. like, get to the bottom of the page, which is, hey, people like make assumptions about your body because they are just not used to like right. what you got going on. Um, you got to tell and, them. You got to be upfront. You got to let them know my right leg is bigger than my left leg. And also, and both I'm also, a big man. They're big. My calves are pretty jacked. Right, <laughs> right. They got to carry this. I, I get it. Listen. Yeah, I got to get up and down from a couch multiple times a day. <laughs> That's right. Get to that fridge. Get down in the street. Walk to the coffee shop. Come back. Uh, it's it's a it's a hard life. These calves calves lead. <laughs> uh, so I take the pants. Um, and we get back, uh, with just a little bit of time to sort of unwind for the evening. Uh, the wedding went off, uh, pretty, well, 
we stayed up too late. So I ended up mm-hmm. only getting like three hours of sleep uh, oh, before buddy. the wedding. So <laughs> I basically wow. like just pinwheel out exhaustion, had mm-hmm. to take the dog for the walk yeah, while sure. MK was getting her hair done. Um, okay. So this can't leave Waypoint Plus. <laughs> you know, so, people listen to this. It's after Yahoo Dark anime, Austin. Yahoo anime, Yahoo anime. There's different yeah. rules. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the audience gets it. Mm-hmm. I need you to understand this is like, we're not like a weird video game couple. We really aren't. That's not us. However, <laughs> one of the most powerful video game experiences that uh, MK has had in the last year is watching me play Control. Because uh, there were some things going on that like were really resonant with like what Jesse Faden's going through, etc. Remember at the end of that game, Jesse Faden shows up rocking a new haircut and a piece of jewelry. So MK felt that was so striking that she was like, "You I married Jesse hair- Faden from Control?" <laughs> I did. Wow, gamer oh dream listener. God. I married her. <laughs> um. Including, she got in the fucking pyramid, uh, like Barrette, <laughs> wow. uh, that, that Faden Damn. wears. Yeah. Wow. Good. And by the way, it looks fucking tight. Like, it was, it's a really cool piece of jewelry. <sighs> um, but the thing is, that hairdo takes about two hours, maybe three, to, for the second run. Like, the stylist had done a dry run trying to get it, and then had spent, like, like weeks trying to figure out how this fucking video game haircut could work in real life um, and did get there. Um, but that did mean that I had to be out with Mina at like six in the morning before this fucking wedding, taking this dog for a long walk. So she wasn't going to be an asshole during the ceremony or like fuck with the stylist. Um, and yeah. And so then I go straight from that walk, have to sort of, maneuver myself inside that suit and go get married. Um, and from there it went fine. It was, it was fine. Uh, <laughs> but the suit, the suit tragic comedy, uh, like took a solid year off my life. Jesus. This is why you well, just get secret married and don't have to wear a suit. But this was, this was secret married, but Rob, but like I, wanting, I, here's but what wanting some, wanting some of yes. the, the, the personal, yeah, like it's because weddings are, I and mean, people learn this with a, do do the big weddings and we had a big wedding is like they're not I mean they're about you but they're not about you and like you learn <laughs> that through the process of planning it and like having it and yeah. so you got like in those things you find small things that you hold on to that are for you and like what originally this thing was about whereas like you know I, but it's still fun to like be fancy and so mm-hmm. I get it yeah. I get it well and I will say the pants aside I had Tailored dress shirts, and I'm oh, sorry, yeah. I left out this part. A vest. Nice. Um, Let's go. And nice. I like the vest is fucking awesome. Like, I think this fall, I'm just gonna be it's, wearing it's like vest time, trousers baby. and a vest. Sometimes, <laughs> fuck it, I can do that. You can pull it off. <laughs> we gotta get a camera crew up there. We gotta start shooting some some Rob's Acne Presents type shit. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Some of the stuff was like more comfortable than fucking like sweatpants. Like some Wait, of it was. One, the professor is in. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the It was more comfortable than sweatpants. I, I think that like well fit clothes are actually like really comfortable and yes. it can help mm-hmm. you feel really like yourself. 
if you find something that you like aesthetically and that fits well. So well, like, and lots of baggier stuff is just like we will conceal your lumps. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's like, will we make you feel good about your body? No. Absolutely Will we not. shamefully drape across your body and conceal its outline? Yes. But, like, the tailored stuff is like, no, you're going to look like you. But you're going to look like the you that you keep in your head when you're yeah, feeling good your about matrix, yourself. Like, your matrix you. Your, yourself, yeah. your <laughs> Neo inside of the, yeah, yeah. Your, whatever that is called. Residual self-image, right? Right. Um it's 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 tough. It's it's tough being a big guy. Let me tell you, in terms of like, it's not being a big person to be clear. Uh, uh, it's very hard to find stuff that speaks to you in that way off the rack. Um, uh, and it's all, and that's on top of it already being hard to know. You know, I said I I got a suit last year, and that that whole experience was like both validating but also kind of alienating or was like is this me like i don't none of this is really <clears throat> and i was like okay well this fits well and i kind of like i can tell that i look good in this mirror that makes me feel good about this process and yeah well i'm glad i hope are you getting those pants are they going to finish those like do new pants for you so after the fact they did make it okay. right like good. i'm good getting like Profuse apologies. I'm getting the pants. I'm keeping the ones I've got. Maybe I'll call Kamal at some point and be like, hey, mm-hmm. I need my my fancy shorts for next summer. <laughs> um, and I'm also like, you know, they gave me a store credit that can probably buy more nice dress shirts or maybe even an alternate set of slacks uh, nice. to go with the vest. So like, it's, it's going to be fine. Uh, but it was one of those things where it's like, surely if I go to the pros, right, the, the, like, just go take the maximalist option. Surely that will guarantee there'll be no mistakes this time. Right. You just go straight to, you just go straight to the top. And here it was like, no, like the still. And in retrospect, the other thing I kind of wondered is, um, cause what I learned was, that woman who was at the store who seemed like kind of terrified during the first fitting that I think may have been her first day. So she was a trainee and <laughs> in retrospect, right. I'm kind of wondering because apparently like that store's had little re- retention issues in retrospect. I found myself wondering, did he know it was fucked, but he just could not have a meltdown happen in front of a new hire's first day. And so it was just like, the bottom's going to drop out of this in three days. But for the, for today we get through it and she just sees a routine like customer interaction. Right. Cause the alternative was, Hey, you know, those pants that I measured you for and have been like in the making for like two months. Uh, I should have measured your, your calves chief. Yeah. Yeah. Rough. Yeah. So well, other than that though, it was a good you're break. Married. Yeah. Nice. You took a break. It was nice. Congrats. Hell yeah. Yeah, thanks. Um, What'd you end up doing for uh, your ring? Some um, sample? Oh, God, no. <laughs> um, we're, uh, we're currently in the process of consolidating our favorite versions of the Revision 3 and Revision 4 uh, mock-ups of the rings. Wow. Um, and so we think Revision 5 uh, <laughs> will go to Revision Final. We're confident. <laughs> Nothing off the rack for Zach. Yeah. <laughs> no. Costume shit. They're pretty oh. fucking cool. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um so yeah, that's 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 how I spent the uh spent spent the spent my little week off. Um should we get into questions or should we just sure. uh Yeah. If yeah. We, yeah. If we don't, 
then how will we know what to talk about? That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I'll keep adding to these. I've uh, got some on Twitter as well that people DM. Okay, me. Yeah, good. So Great. we can we can bounce around between a handful. Do you want to do you want to start, Rob? Yeah. You got married. You have the right to ask this first question. Wow. Congrats. All right. Hey, all. In the five years of Waypoint so far, there have been countless achievements, great pieces, and too many amazing contributors to list. My question for Austin and anyone else on the episode is, what do you think you've learned from the experience? What do you think are the biggest differences between the person you are today and the person you were when the site was just an idea waiting to manifest? Good luck and Godspeed. The site is in safe hands. Josh. That's a hard question. Why do we ask for questions? How are we supposed to talk about Damn, this? that's like a big, like a, here's like a, here's a, you can be like maximally reductive. Yeah, I easy mean, for me. What did you learn? Oh no, how I'm different. I, you I was, I was, you got a job, you're hired full time here. Well, right, I was, yeah, a, sure. I was, a, I was in a different career. Right, you were doing art. The, yeah, full time. I was, right, sure. I was getting my <laughs> master's degree in fine arts before this. Do you think of yourself as a similar person to who you were then? No, because I feel like I did. I was even though I was getting a master's, I felt lost. Right, mm-hmm. like that's why I left. It didn't. It wasn't fitting right the way. Like the, I don't know. I lost something about like a the, like a pair of pants with the calves. Yeah, too tight. Just, yeah I, you know too what? Tight. I, I was sitting there. I know someone. You gotta was say it sometimes. It. You gotta. You gotta. Come on. I was like, I'm gonna. I'm gonna leave this one alone. So you I only got a few more. It's just whatever, whatever time we got tonight, that's all the rest of the ones I can <laughs> yeah. do with you. So let me do it. Let me pick it up. Anyway, sorry, Kata. No, yeah, it's good. It, um, But yeah, I mean, you know, feeling kind of like, yeah, the suit wasn't fitting. The, 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 I was like having trouble, um, not just generating ideas, but once I got an idea, being excited about executing on anything, um, and it felt more than just like the type of like senioritis that you can get when you're like in academia specifically, like in school, because this is you know my second time in art school specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like at the end of undergraduate, it didn't feel this bad, and it just felt like the things that I were was doing in undergraduate weren't good enough to get a career started, really. Uh, which is why I went to a master's was like, I feel like sure. I need to work out some ideas and like what my, what my like medium is going to be in the end. Cause like I started in photography. That was my first, I started in film actually. Yeah. I started in high school in film and then went to a fucking pre-college program where they gave, uh, I went to RISD's pre-college where they, because they have like really good, uh, scholarships for uh poor people basically and uh i they it's weird they do ranked choice basically for what major you want to do during their pre-college which is like a you know it's a six month it's a six week summer summer class for uh high school juniors um and i picked film as my first and photography as my second i learned photography there because that that's what they placed me into and from there through undergrad i did photography uh, but it's just like nothing was clicking and I don't know. I felt like I wanted to, I was interested in, uh, so many parts of school in like, I really enjoyed talking to people about their work. I really enjoyed talking, uh, or like kind of like, you know, 
uh, talking about the way things can be read and things like that. Like, I enjoyed that part of it. That was mentally stimulating, but, like, I didn't really feel like, you know, didn't really feel like the art world itself was that interesting anymore. Um, right. There's a point where you realize, like, oh, like, as for as much as, like, being an artist feels like, yeah, you're doing the, like, off-kilter subversive thing at a certain point in order to like survive as a human being you're gonna either get lucky and just like someone happens to like your shit that's rich enough to support you or uh work yourself to the bone doing that alongside a regular ass part-time and it's just like did not have it in me to do the like that sort of grind i think uh and then you know it was my um, first first semester of my final year at grad school when Waypoint launched. Uh, and I was like, this seems special. Like, I had always played games and enjoyed them and, like, kind of followed very, like, loosely. Like, in my, in my younger years, a lot more, like, I would always read EGM as a kid at, like, the Publix, like, sit at by the magazine rack. But once I got, like, serious about my college, like, and what I thought my career choice was going to be, it got way more casual and I was barely keeping up with things as they came out. You know, I basically only played TF2 and Dota through college mm. because that was, they were free and they ran on my fucking shitty white I, uh, Mac laptop. Um, But yeah, Waypoint launched and like it opened my eyes to a, a, a side of games criticism that I didn't know existed, basically. uh, You know, like all the other great like um, like really interesting parts of game crit that I just like I didn't know existed at all. Like I didn't follow, I didn't happen to follow the right people on Twitter. I didn't happen to like l- dig deeper in certain areas of the internet because what I was like, that's a hobby. I can't spend that much time when art making is already taking up. S- like it takes so much to be an artist. You have mm-hmm. to spend so much time on that that like wanting to do more of this hobby is like probably not a good idea. Um, well, and Kyle, if you just been a little earlier, you'd have been like the perfect demographic to get pulled in a kill screen. So you really <laughs> yeah, timed no, it perfectly. That, <laughs> the vegetable oh, is at, at a certain like. point that was a. That, <laughs> well, you know, I, I wrote a thing for kill screen once years and years. Yeah, ago, I, so I have like, no idea how I dodged it. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I actually it was good. Did, it was good back. Then. Like it was. It was a. It was like a prestige uh, thing to be a part of in a in a good way. To, like very early back then, and then it and then it to be clear, ways. lots in the. Lots and lots of people who've written for Kill Screen are incredible, mm-hmm. and people who who work as editors there. Like I have, I have lots of great things to say about it. By the end of it, those people were mistreated by management, not yeah, paid, yeah, yeah. underpaid. Yes. It's just, yes. We know this. We know what we're talking about. People listening might not know what the beef is with Kill Screen, and the answer is that like a lot of people got fired unceremoniously, weren't paid for the work that they were that they that uh, had been uh, done, and and were kind of left out in the cold. So. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, in any case, you definitely could have ended up at kill screen. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But yeah, that's so, big. I don't know. My answer to this is like ambivalent in so many ways, which is like, of course it is, right? Um, I think the the I think fundamentally, um, I feel like my big change as a human happened via grad school and like the experiences I had there and like. The humility I was introduced to there, which is very important, um, and and I think generally speaking, that's like where I developed as like a broader thinker, um, not just in grad school, but those years of of work, both academic, creative, professional. 
Um, so that didn't, really, I don't think I'm like a different, I don't think I've changed in a big way at Waypoint. Um, what I think has happened positively is I've met a lot of incredible people. Um, I've, I've learned to work with people in a more, um, uh, kind of reliable and in and out daily way. I've, I've grown as an editor, uh, and as a podcaster. Uh, I made great friends. And, and I think I've learned how to, um, I, I think I, I've improved, I improved a lot over my, my years there as editor in chief as both an editor and a kind of leader. Uh, I think I, I was making it up as I was going along when I started, you know, um, obviously I had a set of skills between friends at the table and being a teacher and some other things that were applicable, but learning how to navigate the, the needs of people who are working with and for you, learning how to navigate a corporate structure, how to get resources. Um, a lot of that I owe to the people on the team who had dealt with that before. Uh, but also to people like Joel uh, and CL who worked with me to to develop those that those skill sets. So that's all like really positive stuff. Um, uh, uh, but also like there was a cost, which is like I'm still burnt out. Like like at, by the mm-hmm. time I left, I was just like, you know, I slept 11 hours last night. I didn't even do shit yesterday. Like I'm still in sleep debt mode, um, and that's like I left. I stepped back two years ago, but continued to do this and a bunch of other things. I never got over my workaholism. I'm still someone whose brain is bad if I have not applied my, if I have not applied it rigorously that day on something. Um, that only got worse at Waypoint. You know, like I, we started Waypoint and I was working 60, 70 hour weeks. Like Patrick used to yell at me to go take lunch, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I got better at that over time. So that's like an improved thing. Couldn't tell if you're lying to me, but at least if you were lying to me, then I was like, I've done my job. You've done your part. I'm not physically present. I I can't force you to go to lunch with me. (laughs) I don't, I, you know, sometimes I would bring my computer to lunch. Yeah. Um, You still got out of the office. I still got out of the office. I would get out of the office when when that was happening. Um, so there was a cost. And I think that, that, and and that's on top of like, the, I think maybe this is the biggest change for me is I have such a less I, I have such a a smaller interest in being public or being in the public in the way that I've been. Um, there is uh, I guess I should preface this by saying there was an incredible outpouring of support when I announced I was leaving. Uh, I was just explaining this to to my mom the other day. People said incredibly nice things, incredibly supportive things about how important the work we've done is, uh, about the ways in which we've we've meant something to them. None of it hit. Like none of it felt particularly like it didn't make me feel good to read that stuff. And that's not because someone didn't say it right. Like right. everyone said it the best. It was like, who cares? I don't, I don't know you. I don't, it doesn't hit like anything. What does hit is when someone says the times that they were disappointed in me often for good reason. Um, that stuff hits you really hard because those are people who like believed in the project and believed in what you were doing. Um, and even if you did your best to ameliorate the harm done in the past, even if privately you've made amends, there is a demand to, to work that out in public in a way that is really hard. Um, and more importantly than like the working it out thing, it's the fact that like at the end of the day, I hit the point where the public validation stuff just doesn't validate anymore. But like, and this goes back to thinking about games criticism and like writing games crit and how hard it is to, to, to do that work for what is already a pretty limited audience. And so at the point at which it doesn't, you know, I, I do, I did it for me at a certain point. Like I think about like, I, wa- I watched or I wrote that watchdogs review. Um, and, uh, I was really happy to write that and it made me feel good to write it. And I've always said this about games crit that like, don't do it because you think it will like move the industry. Do it because I like, <laughs> I, I, this is what I say when people ask me how they get into the industry is I tend to ask them like, 
why are you doing it? Because for me, the answer has always been because I can't but. Because it's like a thing I'm good at and a thing I'm compelled to do. Um, but but for a long time, there was also the added benefit of like, I want to be part of the conversation. I wanted like I want people to hear my takes. I want people to be part of that. I, I want to be like, I think if you go back to like when I was leading, you know, when I was EIC at, at Waypoint, how often did I talk about the fact that one of our great successes was despite our small size, we've always been tiny, even at our largest. We were much smaller <laughs> than every other site out there. But we had a way of taking control of a conversation inside of the extremely tuned in part of the game's culture. Yeah, giving we people had, a language to talk about a thing 100%. in a way that they weren't getting from other places. We knew how to frame conversations. And, and once that happened, the conversation could roll on without us. And it always did in other places. And I took a lot of pride in that. Whereas in the last year, especially two years, really, this goes back to me stepping back a little bit uh, two years ago or stepping back and only doing the pods uh, two years ago, I wasn't getting joy of framing things. I was very stressed about about n- needing to frame them uh, in a way that was like maximally efficient and correct and not dropping anything. Um, and at that point, it's like, I'm not the right person to do it at that point. You know what I mean? Like someone else should do it who wants to be a bull. And like, if I'm going to be meek, then I shouldn't be doing the job anymore. Um, and so that's a, that's like a, 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 but also let's be clear. Part of that is about like just changing, but part of that is also just, we have a broken relationship with sociality and the internet. Like we, we use the term parasocial. It doesn't have any bite anymore. It's dead language, but, but there is a real relationship issue with the way we think about people who create stuff online and with the way that a lot of them feel about audiences there there is not like one-sided entitlement there's a lot of a lot of people on every side have a lot of things that they feel like they deserve um and feeling like there was no way for me to fix my relationship with with that stuff and i think that's an individual relationship thing i don't think that it's like a everyone who has who does stuff in public is fucked like that's not what i'm saying but i couldn't figure out a way to get that equilibrium right like i it there was not Again, it goes back to the thing of like, it didn't feel good to get praise. And at that point, it's never going to feel good to do the thing uh, because it's just not the, – the the numbers don't add up. Uh, and so well, – it's, it's, it's funny because eject, you, you, know? you, you, you mentioning it in that way reminds me of how the, my response to this question was that what's happened over the last five years is like my job is not right. the center of my life anymore. Yeah. Like, it couldn't. I've done this since I was 14. It's not that I'm burned out. But I do, I do have regrets that I don't seem to have like any other like skills except how to do this. And that's not true. I could find other tracks, but like, you know, um, and you're very 40. good at this. I Let's know, I know, clear. I am. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, you know, you do anything for that long, and like, it's kind of rote. It's kind of boring. I'm still really good at it. Like, I know I am. But like, I've just done it for a really long time. But also, I get paid really well. I have a lot of job stability. And so when my kids came along. And Waypoint came along at a certain point, a couple of years into the project, it was like, man, like, I don't know if I really want to keep doing this anymore, but I am really good at it. And I have so much flexibility in my life. And I don't want to make it sound like I'm not like thankful or don't like put in the work as, as much as I can. But uh, I had like in order to keep that energy to match the fact that I've been doing it as long as I have and have a, at some point like lost some of that fire that comes from being like in your twenties and Uh everything's kind of like fancy and new. It's like, no, like I've been writing the same different versions of the same story to varying degrees for like 20 plus years now. And then when my 
kids came into the picture, like it allowed me to reframe my life. And in a way that was like, I can get, that's why I don't play other than the fact that I couldn't, if I even, I wanted to, I don't play games on the weekends. Like I found ways to focus my energy in other places. And that became my kids and my family and like my community. So that when I do spend the time working like 930 to 445, roughly, uh, I can give what I have. And like yeah. that gets spent a little bit more every year. And like, I don't know where that point comes for me along that continuum. Um, but like, that's the big thing that changed for me over the, like the five years was like my kids were born. And then that, that gave me the energy to keep doing it because it's like, oh, my whole identity isn't just this. Because when I was 14, it was like, oh, look at this young kid, like the youngster, like it was showing up to E3 at 15. Like even when I was 22 or 23 or 25, it's like, oh, you're still really young. Cause I was, was young relative to a lot of the people in my field, the Jeff Greens and, and stuff of that, the world. And, um, like eventually it's like, no, like you're 36. Like a lot of people are younger than you. What do yep. you have to offer? And it's like, well, I need to find the energy to find that way to offer. And so that's like getting, you know, bringing in younger voices, all the stuff that we're, you know, tr been trying to do, but I had to like reframe how I thought about the job because if I, if I was doing the same thing I'd been doing before, like I was going to have to get out. <laughs> Maybe at some point that'll happen I mean, and that'll be like a healthy, a healthy thing to do. And it probably will be, but like, you know, Patrick, did you ever that think changed. that you would be the person at Waypoint from the starting crew last? Yes, because the way I'm able to compartmentalize and like do my job and just like file pieces, like do good work, know that I've made like the people around me happy and I know that it traffics well. Like, yeah, like I could see myself doing this in 20 years. I mostly bet uh, because normally you're the person who jumps ship and goes to new outlets. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you put me in the awkward position of having Waypoint Plus now and like there's no world where I could do that yeah, now. Only an, only an asshole would quit a job after watching a subscription <laughs> service. Um, hey guys, it's your boy Rob it's here but it's, but it's, on a podcast or five. Uh -huh. I mean, quite, quite seriously, yeah, right? like, I mean, I, I don't mind uh, uh, the Waypoint Plus listeners, but like I've interviewed for like a job in the last year. Like yeah. it came up. I went and did it. Um, <laughs> genuinely didn't get it. Didn't have to turn it down. Went to a very good person. I, I could, couldn't be happier. Didn't really want the job in the first place. Kind of just went through the whole exercise. But um, every time I've thought about, I think there's like only two options for me going forward. It's something completely different. Mm -hmm. Um, or it's this because I love the fact Rob and I had a, a long a drunken conversation in which I pitched him to this and like how how I've like centered how I feel about my job like these days it's like like I really do have it made how whatever like yeah t how tired I am over like doing the same sorts of things like I work from 9 30 to 4 30 and I, I rarely work nights yeah I play games but like I still do enjoy that to a certain degree it's not I don't I don't get too beat up over that um, you're not being assigned bad review games. No, I do whatever I want every day. And so sometimes like if I'm not doing something that's making me happy, like that's a little, that's, that's a lot on, yeah. on me. And like I get paid really well and I get to hang out all the time with my kids. When I keep all of that in perspective, it's less about settling as much as like, that's still pretty damn good. And given like the energy I get from my kids, like it all kind of balances out in a yeah. way that makes it work and makes me excited, you know, every day to come to work and, and make the most of the time that I have. Rob, you mentioned being on five podcasts. 
Well, no, I mean, that's is just, it, is like, that true? Is it only was... five? Is it only five? What is your podcasting? What is it right now? What's it look like? It looks like Waypoint Radio twice a week, plus Sh- shift plus, F1. Oh, wait, wait, plus Waypoint plus content weekly. Yep. I'm going to count that as I'm going to count that as two. I could by all rights count that as three. <laughs> but let's count on this two. Shift F1. That's three. A more civilized age is four. Three moves ahead. Three moves ahead is five. Yeah. Is that it? There's not another secret one we don't know. I mean, I'm not. No. Okay, so five okay. to six. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Plus streams. Plus streams. How you feeling? So, honestly, um, also, also you're an editor you at Waypoint. I'm not sure anyone else in this pod will. Uh-huh. A song that I listen to a lot, because now I live on both sides of it, is Wonderful Remark by Van Morrison, uh, mm-hmm. appears on the King of Comedy soundtrack, um, which is about an obsessive uh, fan who also craves being the person in the right. spotlight and being the person who is sort of the one who's sort of orchestrating and being the ringmaster for a talk show, for a, for, for a comedy show. Right. It's like, it is like the King of Comedy as a song, effectively. Yeah. Yeah. And... The thing that resonates like with me about this song is that I understand like there's a, sort of a hollow melancholy to the song about like to a degree this kind of act, this kind of shtick. Um, it can be really alienating to be like I spend so much of my time being not an inauthentic version of myself, but being a different version right. of myself, being an alter version of myself and you do it a little bit and when i first started doing this like when i was just appearing on through his head um there was no like public rub or so i didn't i didn't have any sense of that it was just like the same guy one one to one i think in part because there's more of it i've been doing it longer i think i've become a better performer um it's also meant that the person on the podcast diverges more and more from the person like in my daily life. And so we had a big conversation like last week about like rescheduling the pod. And one of the things I was like, mm. I can't do the pod first thing in the morning anymore. We could have uh, had that conversation. Wait, we could have had that conversation. We could have we moved the did. pod recording. It. Moved it. Moved Where is it now? Two. Two. After lunch. Oh my God. I've wanted it there for years. <laughs> Are you I thought you wanted it. Me? I hate it in Fuck. the morning. <laughs> We're doing the pod in the afternoon. We killed the other gaming pod. Unbelievable. <laughs> you have a schedule now? <laughs> I wanted it at we 2 p.m. I so, I so it used enjoyed. to be at 2 p.m. It used to be at 2 it p.m. It did. Uh, I so enjoyed the person who, after you put out the schedule, was like, oh, what was Austin <laughs> holding this back? And I think they were being cheeky, but I was like, no. Mm, well, mm, mm. so okay, my bad. We should have had that conversation ages ago. It's my bad too. I could have said it but, too. But either way, what I was getting at was when I finished the pod, on all the schedules I'd write out, it's like okay, the pod will be done by like one, one thirty in the afternoon, and then I'll have the rest of my work day. In practice, right? I would just be not. I'd be devastatingly psychologically exhausted, which is weird because mm. I love talking to y'all. Yeah, mm-hmm. like. It is one of the highlights of my day, of my week, etc. But it doesn't matter how much I like that. When it ends, 
there's like this kind of like cratering effect. And it's a really useless couple of hours I have following, you know, when we hit stop and I upload my files. And that is a that is a new thing. This this sense of like, okay, for eight hours a week or so, this mask goes on. And it's still me, but it's a different me. It's guy talks differently. Guy yeah. reacts differently. He's a little broader. And it's just unnatural enough that like it's become uh, tiring in a way that it didn't used to be and slightly alienating in a way. Cause after a while um, there's this nowhere near that category of performer. Right. But it's something I identified with a lot was um, when Stephen Colbert talked about, he wouldn't let his kids watch the show because he didn't want them to like associate him with being like insincere. Um, and I kind of understood that a little bit where, where it's like, you don't like you want this character to sort of exist siloed away from your life. Um, and so that's, that's my one watch out with that. But on the other hand, the job has become more and more talk about things I'm passionate about with people. I'm like thrilled to converse with like, the flip side of this is this was a good job that became more and more of a dream job because like we talked about this during the, the Austin podcast, the, the Jane Austen podcast <laughs> where it's like, I feel, I felt like it's, I, I felt like I'd robbed a bank or yeah. something uh-huh. or knocked over a casino yeah. where it's like they, I collected like a week's salary for talking about Jane Austen adaptations with my buddies. Yeah, um, those are good podcasts, and, and they were good. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I think they did like provide value to people, but it's it's still a strange thing of going from the uh, sort of the solitary work of a freelancer to this much public facing stuff. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's the other the other thing I'd say has changed is um, this is the thing I'm not I haven't res- I haven't gotten through this I haven't resolved it. Um, the formative years of my work life were being a freelancer, and that was. Every month, diffusing a bomb, setting the timer for 31 days from now, and then having to figure out how to diffuse the next one. And that went on mm-hmm. for years. But mm-hmm. it, like at times, the bomb sort of partly went off and things yeah. didn't go well. Um, but for the most part, it was that kind of pressure. And it was very easy to say, man, if I ever had stability, the shit I'd be able to do. Once I finally got stability what was missing was the pressure of the bomb constantly counting down. And I'm still trying to figure out like that terror was motivating and allowed me to do a ton of work. I kept, I maintained an incredible pace as a freelancer that I've never come close to equaling as a staffer. And that haunts me. Rob, it's like three it successful Patreon supported podcasts across yeah. sports uh uh film and and uh video games on top of waypoint and waypoint plus you're you're do like i'm not taking i, I don't want to undercut yeah. your your valuation i understand that is the emotional truth that you sit because rob and i talk I about this well. constantly because we are like flip sides of the coin where right. he has to tell me like chill i right. it's okay like it's good like you don't have to feel the pressure to do x y and z right and then for me, it's not even necessarily telling him he needs to work more, but it's like when we have honest conversations of like, how could we find ways for you to do things that 
aren't overworking, but would make you like the way you talk about writing the watchdogs review. Like it's satisfying. Like, yeah. The invisible things you do as part of the job. Um, even doing a podcast, like it kind of just ephemerally goes out to a feed. It's different than like the feedback mm-hmm. loop of not necessarily people giving you feedback on a piece, but hitting publish on a thing, seeing yeah. words. And maybe that's because we all come from history being writers. That's the that, real that, one. That, that, yeah. that just turned into people having to podcast and stream because that's just what the job became. The Pavlov so, response is yeah. hit publish. Yes. yes. And like it, go to Twitter, hit hit send on the tweet. A hundred percent. And even before, even the apps of the Twitter part, it is just mm-hmm. like nothing feels better than like, I've worked on a 1200 word feature it gives me more satisfaction than a really great podcast that I, I had a ton of fun doing in the moment. Like, it's just like, and I, that's just my brain wiring. And I, I don't think you can turn that off. Like that just, yeah. you know, you can, you can learn to live with it and you can have people tell you like, you still, you still have worth of doing all these other things. Look at all these wonderful waypoint plus subscribers that are, they're paying you to do, to do those things. Cause they want you to do they them. They want you to do it. It's real um, and but valuable. I, but if, I think if you have spent, so much time identifying as a writer. Yes. It is hard to dismantle uh, that from yourself. Like I struggle with that in which like I do view doing this right now, doing streams as like, oh, these are ancillary uh-huh. blocks I have put on myself because that's what the, the job became when I got to Giant Bomb and realized, oh, shit, the best way to ensure that I keep doing this for another 10, 15 years is being, if not good, adequate at, you know, at contributing to these other Being elements personality. of the job. Yeah. I, it, right. I, it, it, um, going, it goes back to the thing that Rob just said to me, or, or maybe it, it helps to elucidate something, which Rob, you were saying that sometimes you can finish the podcast and feel just exhausted. And part of the thing that's so strange about it is podcasts, recording podcasts, Kato, I'm sure for you, just like for me when I'm editing Marcel Lies Age or when I edit Friends of the Table, you do get that release of hitting upload, right? You do go like, right. okay, I finished this work. It's a fo- it's dot, it's a dot MP3. I, yeah. I hit upload. It's out <laughs> there. But when we do the, when you're recording a podcast, it feels ephemeral. Um, uh, uh, it does not have that same per- sense of permanence. Like, I, I will always say I was shocked how good it felt the first time I saw my work uh, a game review i did for vice magazine mm-hmm. which was like an incredible little fun project when i first came on vice magazine has to do game reviews every now and then and published it in the physical mag They're like 500 400 words which is like inc- an incredible an incredible like uh practice uh, uh a little assignment for yourself like say something meaningful about a new game or a game you've played. Review, review, game. review the PlayStation VR in 350 words. Yeah, okay. Have fun. <laughs> and like be as evocative as you can be, be as, but yeah. as holistic and as complete. Write 800 words and then begin cutting. And then Ooh. begin cutting. I, an incredible, an incredible like little, little practice for me at the time. I loved it. But that felt real. It's like, oh, here it is. It's in my hand. And like a podcast yeah. does not feel like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that there was, again, to speak to Rob, you were talking about it being like, it's, it's not you fully. You're putting something on. You're performing. Um, how often? How often? I'm just. I, this li- shout out to my mom. This literally, literally, is happening to me right now. My mom sent me a quote of a thing I said on a podcast the other day, and I said that sounds familiar. Who said that? And she said, "Ha ha, you did." During one of your Waypoint podcasts, mm-hmm. you're just, it's, a, it's not, I'm not saying it's dissociative, but there is a degree to which, how many things I said to a fucking microphone? Yeah. Right. And you're, you're, you're a conduit. You're, 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 
just it's running through you. The the podcast comes through you and into the <laughs> microphone. And uh, to be clear, that's not everything. Sometimes I remember. Sometimes I've heard someone say like, "Well, you said this on a podcast." I'm like, "Actually, I did not." You go back to minute 27. <laughs> I absolutely did not say that. You have misconstrued what I said. What I said you're, was da 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 da. You're McVeigh. You're like, "Hey, at 3:26 <laughs> in March 17th." This is, this is, I have an. Ex- I know exactly what I said in in some situations, but especially with jokier things or or with um, off the cuff remarks, like it can be very hard to even catalog the things you said mm-hmm. um there's there is a degree to which l- making a podcast you are m bison it was a tuesday like you know it is it is that it is it really it was a wonderful like remark it, it was a wonderful <laughs> remark exactly that's exactly it rob yes and that's it and like and then you just move on uh and that can be that can be very alienating even though i think it is it, in some ways I don't know how to how to how to fix that i don't think there's an amelioration available to us outside of doing less of them and I think part of that is part of the process of wanting to do them well. Um, we do our best not to be tortured on podcasts. We don't like um, we don't do multiple takes. We're not scripting anything. And there are ways to do that, but like to help produce the effect of us hanging around in a room, you got to kind of be in that space. Um, but also, you have to have done the work ahead of time to have paid attention when you're playing things, taking notes, thinking about how you're going to talk about something ahead of time. And then when you, when it's game time, it's game time. You know what I mean? There's a real like leave it all out on the field physicality to it, not just a mentality, like a physicality. Like I sit down, I'm like going to sit in this microphone. I'm going to look at you in the eyes. I'm going to like just be in this space. I'm not going to be playing a video game on the side. I'm not going to be scrolling Twitter if I can help it. Like I, I'm going to just like let it all happen. Uh, and, and to do that and then to like step away from it and be like, well, I don't even have a fucking thing in front of me. I can't hit publish on anything. I can't, it doesn't exist. I don't even know what the final is going to sound like necessarily. Like it can be strange. So yeah, I get it. I get it. All right, Patrick. Yeah, we, we should probably reach in the um, Twitter bucket. Yeah, let's uh, let's well, answer a That was a really question. good question. We we <laughs> chewed on that for forty five minutes. Uh, apologies Ooh. to all other questions. Welcome to the um, Waypoint Plus group therapy uh, encounter yeah. session. Uh huh. Um, let's see. Da, da, da. That one's too heavy. Uh, here's just a night. Nice, this is uh, came in as a question. Comes from Nicole Clark, uh, whoever that Aww. is. Um, my waypoint after dark submission is just that you guys are the best, and now everyone at Polygon knows. LOL. Missing working with you. Thank you, Nicole. Uh, shout out to Nicole work with Clark. Yeah. Alternate reality. Fucking differently. In mm. in the alternate universe, we're having a great time. Uh, uh, Nicole is right here. Three point five. Uh, you know, hey, Nicole's Nicole's great. Polygon's got a. Two, two great Nicoles. Uh, two great Nicoles. <laughs> both of them. We, we both had the pleasure of embarrassment of Nicoles. <laughs> the, the other Nicole, to be clear, is Nicole Carpenter, who's a senior yes. reporter over there, who's also fantastic. Both, both incredible. We, we did work through, with come through. Yes. Yes. So we did work with Nicole Clark when she was still at Vice. Uh, you may remember her from one of our E3 uh, yeah. uh, events because she was out there and she came through on one of the podcasts. Uh, but also, just, she was around and she wrote for us. She did a great piece. Nicole Clark did on um, uh, God, really education games. What's the name of the company? Oh Why God, the Freddy. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's the Fuck. fish, Freddy Fish, right? Yeah, I know that's not a company, but that's who you're thinking of. Yeah, yeah that is that is that is who I'm thinking of. Um, uh, humongous, humongous entertainment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then Nicole she did did did, did the uh, the Gone Home 
uh, right. you know, a piece from a couple yep. Yep. months back, month ago, or whatever. Uh, and then and then Nicole Carpenter is just an incredible reporter who did who did a, a lot of great work with us. Well, and, Nicole Carpenter did Gone Home. Oh, sorry, yes, yes, Nicole Carpenter did. did. Nicole Clark did Humongous, yes, yes, Humongous, and some other things. They both did a bunch yeah. of stuff for us over over the years, and and incredible uh and and shout out to them polygon has like you said two great nicoles so. uh, but that's right, a great this, illustration of a thing i've seen people ask about is like hey what's some stuff that you wish went different like there are lots of people we wish we could have hired at the time mm-hmm, and it didn't mm-hmm. we just didn't get the budget like, shout out to danielle building the size staff that we always wish we could have <laughs> god seriously fanbite in yes. so many ways has you know i wish we had i wish at any point someone from vice would have been like you can have a uh uh a staff half the size of Fanbyte's current staff. Well, they uh, did. They, you can have that when you're traffic bashed Kotaku. Get cracking. Get cracking. Yeah. Uh-huh. 100%. Uh, also, your your freelance budget is going to get cut by 73%. But you have the same goals. We hit those goals, too, FYI. They really did that. They really cut our budget by, by 73%, and then we hit our goals anyway. So, And then they still wouldn't let you go to the Prince's Ball. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. The mice sewed a beautiful dress for <laughs> us. Did. We did everything. We did everything right. Uh, Carson writes, question for After Dark. What has been the most unexpectedly enjoyable part of Waypoint? Anything that you might not have wanted to do, but ended up being fun. Ooh. Read it one more time. I did not want to stream. Oh. Uh, I didn't like, like, I didn't feel secure about it. I didn't mm-hmm. like, I, and I still do find it like one of the more stressful, mm-hmm. like things that we can do. Um, it gets easier every time. Uh, like my comfort level now versus years ago is, is night and day, but like, I was like, okay, one thing I'm pretty confident I can say I will not be doing is like streaming games. (laughs) Um, and, and, and there are a variety of reasons. One, it's like, it's it's such a long form entertainment. And like, (laughs) I didn't, I was totally one of those people where it's like, I don't watch a ton of streams because usually like, my hierarchy of things that'll be fun streaming doesn't like I, I I would prefer to go spend that time like I'll watch a movie or I will clean my apartment listen to a pod but streams I don't know why would anyone want to watch me play a game um but I really enjoy it it's a lot of fun it's way more fun by the way solo streaming still scares the shit out of me yeah. like it is it's a bit of the um like the solo sports radio hosts who just hold it down for like yeah. two, three hours of drive time yeah. radio, like doing sports talk by themselves with nothing but like maybe the phone line they can go to. <laughs> like that is a that is terrifying. That is a like <laughs> it's all on you. You just got to be as effortlessly engaging as like Dan Patrick or something. Right. You just need to like keep talking and keep sounding good. Um Streaming with, with pals, uh, like we got here, way easier, way more fun. <laughs> Again, becomes a social thing. That makes sense. That makes sense. I really, I, I, I don't think I'm going to rush into starting to stream by myself again. Um, I, like I said, part of this has been about wanting to step back, but I have like one really strong, good memory of solo stream. I mean, I have more than that because back in the day, I did, I used to solo stream much more often but when i was at giant bomb i did an overnight for uh child's play one year and it was just me from midnight till 7 a.m or 8 a.m and i think the stakes were so low because it was like well no one's fucking here you know uh you know not that i mean giant bomb audience is, is worldwide and so there were people there but it didn't feel like i had to like 
do a good job necessarily. And I, I, there's something about being thrown in into the pool at the deep end in that way, where it was like, you know what? It's just us now, baby. Like, we're gonna, what are we gonna do? We're gonna play some Far Cry 2. We're gonna play some Tales from the Borderlands. We're gonna listen to some royalty free jazz music. <laughs> and we're just gonna just try to be as weird as possible. We're gonna play some virtual on, or, you know, like that was like, it's, uh. you're a captive audience. Uh, and I think that that was actually. I, I think we just need to create the right circumstances to train your solo streaming, uh, uh, you know, talents. Because I think you have it in you. But I do If I were to do it, it would be those pre-dawn hours, for it's, sure. It's so I nice, would, dude. Like, the sunrise. That's, oh, it's so great. Have you ever seen the movie Frankie and Johnny? No. Great bittersweet romantic comedy with Al Pacino and Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm. Um, mm. But it culminates in this great, like... Uh, basically a standoff between them as they try to figure out like under the gun, what their relationship is going to be. But the central character in that is a midnight classical music station DJ um, who like, we only get a brief glimpse of him in the darkened studio and everything is as they call into him for some emergency advice. Um, But that always struck me as like, that's the magic hour of like, solo that sort of shit where it's like that weird late night, pre-dawn intimacy of the performance like that shit i love um like the same drive that would like when i would go to mass i was like get me in early get me <laughs> that 6 a.m mass that's that's where the that's where jesus really is <laughs> mm-hmm. uh going back to that original question of like stuff that we didn't want to do or i didn't want to do personally but like ended up being productive in the long run i think it's a lot of the management interface stuff it's a lot of the like being the person in the room who had to fight for resources or who had to like try to make sure we didn't get caught up in cuts or like the like, there were various points that like kind of cry or yes. in the first you know half of vice's run they were like there were bona fide crisis points yes within vice as they it was working vice is hardly a perfect company go look at the crummy way the layoffs were treated in this most recent round of cuts. I think there was a big mm-hmm. piece in the Hollywood Reporter about that. Like, not a perfect company, but relative to like the culture we came into, that it was like exercising the demons of in yeah. those first couple of years. Um, there were like big moments where I remember like you being in those meetings and having to be like, well, there's a lot of scared white people in this room and uh, someone needed to say fucking something yeah. and take command and give people something to hang on to. And I remember you coming out of those and just being like, not what I wanted to do going into that. Right. Like someone needed to do something. We talk, we talk about this a lot of like the, I think we expected to be a leftist firebrand in the age of Hillary Clinton when we launched. Yeah. And instead we were that inside of the age of Donald Trump and a rapidly, um, a, a company that for not in the editorial suites, not for us, not the, not the EICs, not most of the EICs, anyway. Um, <laughs> we wanted to continue doing the fights that we wanted to continue doing. But there were people higher up who were like, maybe we got to hear both sides. Maybe this is the end of, of the da 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 And so I was happy to be part of a larger pushback against that, along with a lot of people, some of whom weren't even at the, the advice anymore. Um, and then likewise, around some of the stuff around the sexual harassment, and sexual misconduct uh, scandals advice. Yeah, the Me Too there. stuff was like really in earnest at like the, the early year and a half at this mm-hmm. at this you company. Know, there, it just it, seemed like every six months was like an, like getting DM'd an article in the New York Times being like, sorry. And I'm like, I, well, 
Yeah. Yeah. And it was one of those things where it was like, you know, at, at that time, Danielle, Danica, and Natalie were working in, in office with us. Yep. Like, um, were not, did not feel safe in that space. I didn't feel safe in that space. Like, the, like there were, there were things on the books and, that are no longer on the books that we pushed for to get off the books, like the non-traditional workplace agreement, right? That's like, right. that's gone now. And that was an, that was an agreement that, you know, never would have fucking held up under any sort of serious scrutiny, but which led to an atmosphere where, where, people were getting away with shit or people were looking away when people were getting away with shit because they thought that 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 it was they didn't want to make noise because this is a non-traditional workplace blah 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 blah. so pushing back on that stuff was very difficult and it was not something i'd really done before and i'm imperfect and not and it's and it's hard to try to like know that you can do it the right way and you know um what you learn long term is like you don't know who you can trust in in certain spaces. I mean, I I will just say it outright at this point. Like Eric Sunderman, who was the EIC at Noisy, has since been at the center of another different sexual misconduct uh, scandal. It's like, oh yeah, no wonder he wasn't on board when we were fucking pushing for change. No wonder he told me he was a company man. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm hmm. like, no wonder he hmm. heard that we were going to publish a letter and he came over to my desk and was like, listen. Uh, and no wonder other people at this office were like, we don't want to sign a letter with with certain other people on. Like they didn't say who, but now in yeah, retrospect, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, they didn't trust Eric. I get it now. Um, and so like that is that those situations were wild. And like I don't know, we made some enemies. I'm not going to say I don't. What I will say is but I we don't still think, here. <laughs> <laughs> we still here. That's what's key. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> we still here. I don't mind making a billionaire. I don't mind. It is. It is a. It is a a, a, a scar of pride. <laughs> That I got past a note that was like, this certain billionaire at this company is really mad at you specifically right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll wear that with pride. That's um, good. I've never but heard inter- that story. That's good. Oh, dude. That was right after we published that thing because we did that. That we was got, the group EIC oh. letter, right? It was not a group EIC letter. There was no group EIC letter. Oh, this was is the, the Waypoint Post. Yeah, yeah. We were the okay. only outlet but that could do that. But this was in that. That was a part of part that of, whole thing. Yes, exactly. Yes, okay. um, there was an, an internal letter that was sent around right, right. that we felt that the larger group felt comfortable doing. For There's lots of reasons for this, which is like the big one is the reason that like Waypoint could publish a letter on its website, um, which again was like, I told CL we were going to do that. CL was my boss at the time. And CL was like, I'm not going to stop you from doing that. Like, I'm not... I'm I'm not going to tell you to hit publish, but I'm not going to stop I'm not going to tell you can't. And right before I did it, uh, someone else was like, you should tell the other AICs that you're going to do this because like they're going to be blindsided by this. And I was like, that's fair. So I did that. Uh, and that caused lots of stress, lots of support from other and some other incredible people and editorial teams. The Broadly team at the time super supported us in doing that. The Thump team, obviously, the, a lot of the main vice folks, the motherboard team, like huge support from teams. Uh, but but again, people like Eric were like not happy that we were going to do this at the time. Um, I will say that's that's my memory of it. Um, uh, and the situation as it unfolded was like was weird because there was lots of people who wished they could do it, but realized they couldn't because like a site like Motherboard is an internet was at the time at least an international site. A site like like Noisy yeah. or Thump um, have people all around the world, and so they can't just say here at blank we believe blank because right. you're writing for people who aren't. Even a week, and if, and if your your vertical does not establish the culture that like, exactly. hey, we're specifically hiring. You know, it was one of the things that made you know, for better and worse of uh, you know of of Waypoint and how we constructed it at the beginning was like hiring people to be culturally on the same page with one right. another. 
a politics roughly in the same, you know, same Venn diagrams yeah. so that we could do things like that. And although we'd all try to get on the same page of like language and intent and like proofread, you know, people's pieces and yada, yada. But like at the end of the day, it was sort of like we're all swinging in the same direction. Whoever was taking the well, punch. Well, also, like, there's like seven of us. I can get yeah, us all on a, yeah, on a right, DM right. real quick and be like, are we right. good with this? Here's the text. Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah. Check, 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 check. Whereas if you're working with like, well, I have to wake, wait until Vice UK wakes up. <laughs> And by then you what's get what's the time zone in Turkey? Like, you know exactly, I mean? exactly. And especially since part of what the issue was at the time was that there was not, um, it was not clear that the safety protocols that we had in New York were being applied worldwide. That was one right, of the things right, that we right. pushed for in that letter. So anyway, that's a, a fight that we had, and like th- that's a role that I did not think I wanted to be in. It was one of the roles that I was afraid of being in when I took that job, um, but that I think at the end of the day was very good for me to learn how to be in and to use my voice in that way um, to put the pressure on in the ways that I could both publicly and, and especially privately where I we gained a reputation we gained a weird reputation like I don't know I don't know from the outside looking at people know what like waypoint felt like for so long at vice but I felt like we always were thought of as like a weird skunk works department that like tried new when? weird shit what are they What's doing a podcast they raised how much money for charity <laughs> For which charity? <laughs> those were always my, those are when the random exec would like pop their head in like, way to go, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's like, what are you doing again? Why can't we sell ads for you? I don't understand. Mm. Anyway. All right. Uh, we should get that food to sponsor us next time. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> That's actually one that I really didn't want to do is the launch stream, the 72 hour launch stream. It was like a nightmare. Oh, so I, many people I, I worked on it. Much. The budget. I mean, once we were in it, I, yeah. I loved. I have net. What a weird fever dream mm-hmm. that was. Mm-hmm. I loved doing it. It was a great team building experience and all that. But it was such a such a big expenditure. It was a weird partner to work with at the time. I felt and the blend of like celebrity culture plus game stuff did not feel like it was I've what never, we would be. never felt more out of my element than I don't know who the rappers probably, were. It was just Blaze. Were you there for just Blaze? Were you there for Chief Keith? I was on one of them with you, you? you and man doing my white boy best, you know, you're doing just, your best. But like, you did your best. <laughs> it just was you like, your best. I, you know, I had, I had a couple, every time I get like a comment and it would get a response. I was like, yeah, fucking nailed it. I don't know. I shouldn't be on this segment. This is just be awesome. But like, I'm here and I'm going for it. It was wild. It was wild. <laughs> well, and it's anyway. so weird to me. Uh, Joel's brought this up, uh, like in the years since that net net, that thing made bank. Oh, yeah, we made um, money on that, which is also part of why I felt weird about it. Hmm. Was like, don't do fucking, don't do streams out there for charity. And that's why we never did another one of those, or not streams, but don't do ma- marathons in this space are not about bigging yourself up. They're about raising money for something. And it's why we never did another one that was not, that was that long, that was not for something else. Anyway, sorry, I did not mean to step on your Joel. Well, yeah, but callback. the thing that always, um, like, but at the same time, they never released resources like that again. Um, and so this was this was the weird thing where <laughs> I like for ages I thought, well, that thing must have just been like a complete loss uh, for that. Like that was their seed money; they blew it all, uh, you know, at the casino, and then they were like, "We'll just starve Waypoint from here." <laughs> I and this is a this is a, it didn't go that way. Well, the thing is that that they definitely wanted to do other events like that. And they would have been purely sponsored. And the thing that I said was, we cannot do another 
multi-day chair or multi-day stream that is not about raising money for somebody else. We can't be out there to collect a check. Like it's not the, it's not, I won't do it. And so, and then you, you have to then navigate this much more difficult thing, which is like, well, how do we get a sponsor so that we can make money on it and also raise money right. for charity? And that's a really hard thing. And then especially when we go to them and say, well, what, when they go like, well, what charity? And we don't come back and say, we want kids to play video games or whatever. Not that I'm not taking away from child's play. I'm not taking away or extra life. Sorry. No. What is that? Whatever, whatever one that right. is. No, but the, the, first, um, the first one yeah. was immigration lawyers, like getting people right. sprung out of <laughs> like detention yeah. uh, in border states. Like yes. <laughs> it's, these are political yeah. yeah, causes that we that we have pushed for. I mean, I, right? There was a, there was definitely one of those streams where we, it felt like every time we had a milestone, it was like fuck turfs, and it's like that's right. not the energy that like that vice marketing is going for. <laughs> I would not fly the guardian. Fuck off, guardian. All right, Rob, find a question. <laughs> All right, uh, I like this email from uh, Grace uh, Grace Benfell, uh, contributor uh, contributor with us. Uh, highway point crew long time first time in an industry that has a really short collective memory what do you think will stick with you about working at waypoint what will everyone else forget that you'll remember much love to y'all fuck capitalism and go the fuck home i think let's let's about like critical work i think is the is the yeah, like, yeah, yeah. way i want to sharpen this because there's stuff behind the scenes people can't know but like yeah, yeah we, I know. It is an industry with, with short critical memory uh, to all of our detriments. In terms mm. of like individual pieces or or l- larger, so when I, I, when I, when I when I think you about go ahead. when I think you go ahead, I think about it was like I remember like the initial conversations that Austin and I had about like what kind of place we'd want to build was out of the experience of giant bomb which you know was like a largely positive experience for both of us but i think mixed with from the community aspect right and like wanting to do certain types of work and finding a lot of resistance in the community a lot of people who were very enthusiastic like 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 i was always so encouraged every time you know you would push against a wall and yes you would get fucking goobers in the comments but you'd get other people who are equally as excited to see something like that on that uh-huh. site and the thought being well, what if p- part of the flawed approach to that is you built a website and then brought something else to it, thinking you were expanding it, and certain people said, but that's not what I came here for. And you can reduce that to, well, I was here for games or fun. And that's, that is, that you could reduce that feeling for a lot of people. But at, at, to a certain degree, I sort of res- responded and respected the idea that like, hey, like this was a space. I'm trying something different in that space. It's not working for some people. The like charitable interpretation of that is what if you could go build a place in which you're very clear about what it is, the like level of politics and like discourse in the conversations at this place. And so thus the community you build around it, while still imperfect, all community building is imperfect um, and difficult. But hey, like we're unapologetically going to talk about the capital P in politics, in games, in culture, in games media. And that is going to frame how we talk about things. And then we will build a community from there. And like when I think about like any of the successes we've had, whether it's the charity streams, the audience we built, Waypoint Plus, like it all kind of comes back to that original idea of being very clear um, about like the, the community we were hoping to build and attract, like knowing, sure, maybe in retrospect, that wasn't enough to build a, you know, a Kotaku rival, but damn, like it's a, it's an incredibly strong 
mm-hmm. passionate audience that was attracted to those values. And I'm not saying we were the first people to do that, but I know that like we were one of the first people to like say that in this sort of like game space and like prove out that you can get a really passionate audience. Maybe it didn't drive page views, but it drove culture. And I think that's a lasting legacy of of the site that we see a lot happening in all sorts of different places that we would just happen to be a part of as that movement and that kind of pivot was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's that's definitely the thing that like that was part of the mission. And I think there are particular examples where we lived up to that mission. Um, I think about the art, some of our bigger theme weeks, our guns and games week, our at play in the carceral state, where we're doing stuff that I think is they're the sort of conversations that that you start to have or the small pieces that you write and then you do the thing that you get to do mostly in academia or in long-form journalism where you say no that's not the end of it like you know when we have a conversation on the podcast let's say we have a conversation on the podcast about how violence happens in, in video games and like what we think about the the writing around you know, or the the conversations around like use of guns in video games, the relationship between video games and uh, gun manufacturers, and blah 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 blah. We do a week like like guns and games, which blended reporting with criticism, where we ended up with a really great piece um, by uh, Kelsey Atherton and Ian Boudreaux on the kind of tactical aesthetic and the development thereof. Um, when we we have you know great pieces um, from from us about individually about particular uh games and the way guns work in those particular games you wrote about receiver for that yeah absolutely um uh i wrote i wrote about the fact that we talk about um when we talk about you know uh violence in games we we do it in this very indirect or very you know um kind of whitewashed thing uh, whitewashed way like we tried to do the work we did that second third fourth step where we where we pushed those things with the with the app play in the carceral state you know like we we did our best sometimes as traffic i think probably oh. there had i don't i haven't looked i don't know if there's any way to like pull the numbers like things have changed Who so much anymore. but the dungeons and dragons in yes. prison piece was one of those where like you'd wake up like pour pour a cup of coffee like what's what's like doing well today like any pieces we published yesterday mm-hmm. hasn't it been two years since we published like that dozens of dragons piece and it suddenly has like a thousand concurrence get it because it got randomly linked on on reddit that on piece reddit, was just yeah. the eternal yeah. beast it well, was an incredible like, piece that, and that also piece does that that was elizabeth DeClear, who we also ended up doing a short doc with mm-hmm. of those say of the the subjects of that story and like that piece in a sense pays for the rest of that that whole mm-hmm. slate where we ended up, you know, having um, Mira McCammon go to Guantanamo Bay to do a, a number of reported pieces on the culture of play uh, on, you know, at Gitmo. Uh, uh, because at the end of, at the, you know, throughout this, one of the other missions we had for the jump was like, Waypoint is going to go to where people are playing. Waypoint is not just about big AAA games. It, it, part of that early mission was like, play is a part of human experience and human life and there are all sorts of parts of life that are not 
the focal point of what a Kotaku reports on because it's not what is in their purview. And so how do we like try to tackle that stuff and talk about that stuff or games don't just the games that matter to us aren't just new releases and stuff like that. So the ways in which we followed that mission um, were it will always stick with me as, as like you can't say we didn't fucking give it our best in terms of what in terms of that mission. We, we did our best with that stuff and some of them found, found readership and some of it did not. And that's just the truth of the the mission, right? Like the truth of the situation is I've said this to some other friends, you know, often is that like the way you get more eyes on a piece, like I use this piece all the time, but Duncan Fife's um, Sierra, Sierra games piece uh, is it Sierra games. It's the police, the police quest piece specifically yeah. is the one that I think about a lot. Uh, he has a piece called uh, how Sierra and a disgraced cop made the most reactionary game of the nineties all-time piece like top top five waypoint piece of all time in my, mm-hmm. in my mind um did well i don't want to say it didn't do well like it found a readership but it mm-hmm. did not find the sort of readership that the equivalent piece in music or film would have found right just because like that's just not that's just not the audience and, it, and, and part of what i think the mission for waypoint ended up being was not serving an audience it was i hope helping to seed an audience so that 20 years from now that audience is bigger than it is today. It's a generational problem. Getting getting games readership or games journalist read, you know journalism readership to where and I let me be clear. I don't think like music readership is like through the roof or like I know everybody is suffering, <laughs> but we also see what the numbers are. We know what does well and, and what like two equivalent stories do across games and across you know Hollywood pop culture. And there's just like no competition. Like if you run the same story but about uh, a major movie star or about a major uh, you know musician that you do about a major game designer. Let me tell you, the game designer is going to rank dead fucking last because not enough people care about that stuff. Um, or it's not that not enough people care in like a moralistic sense, but in a raw numbers way. Um, so yeah, so I think I think to some degree, realizing the mission had to stop being about reaching an audience and had to start being about building stuff so that an audience could coalesce. And I thank the the fans and the readers and the moderators who helped literally build that specific community and uh the freelancers who who carried that torch for years because because they did a ton of the fucking work um patrick any other one Patrick did his. Patrick said oh. basically the core mission I think right oh, I think Rob was oh, asking like if I had a question oh quite a question a question uh Oh, sorry. I guess I should say so. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. For me, like, why look for top waypoint moments are definitely. um, There's a lot of pieces that I really can't take credit for as an editor. Like writers are all too generous often with their editors, where they're like, "Man, couldn't like." I think Duncan was like, "Man, Rob did a great job with the Sierra piece," and I'm like, "It came in at like a (laughs) nine point five band. Maybe I got it to ten, but like, (laughs) I didn't have to do that much." Um, And so. Like for me, I think uh, things that jump, like something that I'm going to remember, even though I don't think it is necessarily the best piece she wrote for us, but it was like a moment I realized like, holy fuck, like D is good. Mm -hmm. Um, I got handed off her piece about Prompto's AI photography in Final Fantasy 15. Didn't know Dia uh, like much at at that point. and I think that might have been the first thing I edited from her. And it's one of those things where I think 
after some point, you often kind of go into an edit being like, I don't know, like, I just expect to have to do certain kinds of work just because writers make these same mistakes over and over. And this is kind of like the first way I start attacking a piece. And, you know, you have something good where like midway through you've you catch yourself because you're no longer reading critically. You're not like reading as an editor almost never happens uh, the longer you've been doing it. But like it's a piece I return to a lot because it was such an unexpected like fucking prompto. In Final Fantasy <laughs> 15 ends up being the subject of a really good and empowering and inspiring essay about photography and like how you can at any point like take these steps and these approaches to like develop your own sort of familiarity with this with this craft and like embrace the uh, like failures and iteration that come with like becoming a, a competent photographer. And that just came from this completely random piece. And it, it presaged a really terrific run from Dia where like mm-hmm. for uh, God, I would say like the ensuing year or so, like just anything Dia kind of brought to us. Um, if Dia was like moved to write something, it was going to kick ass. Sort of like Duncan, right? Like Duncan yep. does not, come like you know cam to a degree as well like a lot of these writers will not bring to you their half-baked like i'm just looking for a byline if they're showing up at your door they really want to write something and increasingly you start to realize like my job here is to shut the fuck up and just let them go uh rob can i tell you a time that you did that for me as as your editor was uh, it'll be the show 18 dreams of escape from politics and damn it's tempting uh, a home run of a piece, if I can say. One of my favorite <laughs> things you've ever written, and you've written some great pieces. And you went the extra mile because at the time we were doing our our uh, article reads, and so you also did, and you worked hard on it. You you turned in uh, a read of MLB the show, that, or you know this MLB the show piece that ended up being not just about this baseball game, but about George Will and about sports fandom and about this game and about how people in this space dream of of sports and especially baseball the american pastime as this apolitical escape from from reality a sort of return to the innocence of childhood just just some boys with bats you know and a diamond. Yeah. uh and it like blew me the fuck away your read brought me to tears genuinely like moved me um and i was just like so lucky i was like ah oh, i am I am working in the best place in the world. Like I'm working with people whose work moves me in, in, and who get the, who, who I am so lucky to be able to interface with this thing, to be part of the canvas because I don't know where else this would get published. And I don't know where else someone like Rob would feel at its best waypoint made its writers comfortable to swing hard and to like take those big swings um uh and i say did that's unfair because i think it will continue to do that as you continue to add add people to it this is not a fucking eulogy for waypoint waypoint is no but, it's, but there, there but was you know a certain saying. point where we we out of almost ob- obligation and necessity have become more personality focused and the writing right. and crit took took a back place backseat i wouldn't take the three days it took me to like put that entire thing together and and by the way that's fast like that's that was a long piece like it was one of those Mm -hmm. weird you just get in the zone and i gunned out that draft like over the course of a long day that feeling um but also yeah it's not just that the the place would run it but also that like 
there's a voice in your head that you're like, this might just be pretentious shit. Mm. But I knew that like Austin wouldn't let it through the door. You know what I mean? Like if I was we call each other, like, you would have said it shit. nicely. Yeah, but if course. I was completely out at sea, you would have brought me back in. I think we did our best to be hard edits, not to necessarily be notoriously like mean edits. There are some editors in the space of video games that have reputations for being like just like rough cuts, just taking the knife to it without explanation. I think we do our best to justify the cuts that we make and to, and to make everything about identifying what a piece is and trying to bring the best piece out of it. I think that that's always been the tack that we take. Um, but that does not mean that we are not when it's time to be like, this doesn't go anywhere. We've always been willing to say that to each other. And I think that that, that has led to good pieces. So I think I've only had one piece where Rob got to the end of it. It was like, I mean, dude, if you really want to do this, and I wow. was like, <laughs> what was the piece? Do I remember? don't remember. It was some follow up to some something. It was it was like me trying to like do a follow up to a piece. And right. it was just like, right. do you really feel that strongly about this? And I was like, yeah, no, not really. He's like, maybe just don't run it. And it, was, it wasn't like I'd spent a week on it. It was, you know, like. Oh, no, was, but you had. Like that was part of that was part of the Bob remembers you, the piece. It lingered on your like task list for a while. Yeah. And yeah. you like you were like, I'm finally gonna do it. I'm finally gonna do it. And you did it. And it was the contractual obligation, like slap this <laughs> oh, on an LP, fire God. it out. And I was like, we could just not. Like I was like, cause I couldn't figure out like, okay, what what am I gonna like what's the hook here? There was a lot of good paragraphs in it, but I like I, I do I don't remember what the piece was about, but it There's was so about clear, Activision like, something something. Not yeah, you were like, I'm gonna get this fucker done. I can't. And remember. you did, and then the demon was exercised, and we're like, we can. Well, it was just like one of the like because usually I'm like so ultra precise about what I write <laughs> about, so that you know my my time is like best used. And it was like one of the rare one of the rare, we were also doing like much more blogging at that point, like yeah. so yeah. I was just writing more, and so uh, it was just funny because like. Usually I'm like super precise on that. And then he was just like, took a beat and was like, look, like there's nothing actually wrong with this, but like, do you want to, like, do you, you don't, ha- I don't know that you are saying too much in this piece. And I was like, yeah, I, I was guess like, so. I was like a, a little mad for like 30 seconds. And then I was like, yeah, he's right. All right. And then it was just like highlight 900 words and just like delete. Like oh. we're good. Ah, it's fine. Well, we've, we also have had the opposite <laughs> situation with that, Patrick. We're like, um, it was, it was a Crusader Kings mod story. Things too modern story. Ugh. It just got uh huh. Fuck off. Uh huh. God, back in the, the editor old question. Yeah. Well, was this a? How did that even get elevated? I remember how it got elevated. Because you put you put. Okay, so I didn't do it. Don't put it on me. <laughs> okay. Uh, a mechanism no, was in place at the time where things could get lifted up to senior editorial. Well, at the, be- well, at the beginning of the week. Or it yes. was a daily. There was like a, a pot, like a way of like us filtering what were we working on, especially oh, if we were God. much more high volume. Uh-huh. And those pieces then, it often they were my pieces because I was writing the most, and yes. so it would be like, hey, like here's stuff we're working on, and my pieces were convenient for that because it's mm-hmm. like, hey, we just know Patrick stuff is going to show up, it'll be on the site, and I was you know doing yes. more rapid fire stuff so the bigger crit stuff could live. Like that's a lot of the structure. That was a lot of the yeah exactly yeah. and and um. I did this for like one year. I was like, as part of like a larger project, I was like, I'm just going to like go on like 
mod db and nexus mods and like i'm gonna interview modders and like yep. still my favorite pieces like interviewing the dude who did like a jerk off mod for for a stardew valley like there's jerk off stuff mod like that. schedule please yeah jerk off mod schedule for all the characters <laughs> in, the, in the game um and uh one of them was about a crusader kings mod in which it was it just a amped- i remember it completely it was, was like it? a nightmare person yes. the dude was was a terrible person who, what did the mod do? It was it was like about oppressing queer people in yes. in uh, the Middle Ages. Yes, in, in Crusade, obviously it's Crusader Kings, and you being like, "What the fuck, dude?" and pushing, uh, not doing. But kept the, going. Like, it was. Like, I got to the end of the piece. It was like, "Well, this guy's a weirdo. Uh, maybe we just won't do the piece." Um, like this wasn't like the quirky mod interview that I was hoping for. He was like, uh, I'm not a homophobe, to be clear. Yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah I just think yes. it uh-huh. should be historically accurate and homophobes yes. should be ru- homosexuals should be ruthlessly crushed in Crusader Kings. Right. And the thing is, you did not let him live with that. You weren't like, alright, buddy, cool, you said that thing. You this, were, the response was like, what the fuck? Like, and like, right, we went back exactly. and forth and then the question in front of us was, uh, you know, is this conversation where we show ourselves pushing back and like framing how a mod like this gets made. And it was not like this was like, and doesn't like get zero. moderated and does like yeah, all and like of the stuff around. And it was a popular right. mod. So it was like, I wasn't like plucking like some, right. some obscure dude with like three subscribers <laughs> on Nexus mods. Like it hit a certain threshold. It was like, I think this is like worth interrogating like right. this. And, and the difference was, this is part of what waypoint tried to do. And like from a reporting angle and which stuff that I did, it was like infusing, like we're going to, say this person's bad explicitly like yep. this is bad what they're doing is bad and we're not going to like publish 800 words of themselves but like we're going to give you an like insight into their worldview and also unpack why that's bad and, and also that as, unpack like, a our moment. reporting process here right. part of the story right. ended up being we went into it with x you know as part of this larger series here's how we're taking this differently think about the way that we covered um uh uh kingdom come where we did that podcast about it right we're like you know, yes, there were a handful of, of you know, uh, uh, impressions in that podcast. And I played a little bit of it, but we were not going to devote a lot of time to it. We wanted to talk through that entire process. We did that a lot. We were very inside baseball in that way. We wanted to show that, that decision making. Yeah, yeah, that process. And, and, but <laughs> and this early kind of, on. Yeah. And so this this piece ended up like the head, some version of the early version of the headline ended up. Not there. even a headline. This is the thing. It's not a headline. Right. What you'd written down was something to communicate to like. Me and Rob and Danielle, what you were working. Here's on. what the piece is about. Like, and it was like speaking. bigoted modder <laughs> with like da 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 da, and that got lifted. Someone to- was like, "Hey, what's going on in this piece?" Um, right. And I mean, Austin and I went back and forth over this piece for like a, cu- a couple of months. It felt like, and we'd have long <laughs> it conversations. Was genuinely weeks, at least. And we'd have long conversations like, "Is this piece worth it?" And it's like, "No, it's not. It's actually not that good. Like, not that my." Work wasn't good, but like, is this no. fight fucking worth it? Was it, was it, was right. a, it was a blog. It was a blog. It was a blog. Then, but then it became like a point of like, fuck the off. Principle. Like, yeah. let us publish it. Because again, the point was not why are we giving this person a platform? Right. It was, well, you can't just come out and say the things. You can't just say that you're biased. Because like, I think they're, they're like, some black the- dynamite, we're biased. <laughs> well, <laughs> Because I think that was where like a bunch of the edits came from. It was like, can we add some more commentary from the bigot? And it was like, <laughs> no. 
I mean, that's well, not what they wrote. They, they like, that, was the thr- that was the thrust of it was like, but what if Bigot feels offended? And it's like, great. <laughs> Fuck up. The they point. They always had that reflexive gun shyness around like, but he's also kind of a nobody. So there's that whole other element of why are we going out of our way to like right. highlight this person who's done something not notable on the standard of national politics, which right. seemed to be the threshold that would come in. Ergo, if it was a bad actor in a space or just a person uh, who created a shitty, weird mod fetishizing <laughs> like their fucked up idea of what the Middle Ages were, then like we were the meanies coming in. To be like, hey, look at this dumbass. And we were we might therefore be considered like liable. Uh, I, don't know. I mean, if it, if it was they were making the argument, like, is it the, the equivalent of the quote tweet dunk over some like some rando right. that doesn't deserve right. it? And, you know, we could have had that. And we ended up like having that conversation, but also being like, no, actually, like, if you look at like the broader gaming culture, like there's a whole like especially in this space, the idea of like yeah. historically accurate that then leads to like, you know, there's there's a lot here. Uh, and then we eventually just folded our I I think Austin was willing to keep going. And I just highlighted and deleted and said, I just I don't want to think about this piece anymore. I'm too frustrated. <laughs> I'm looking at the piece. I have to close this right now. I have to you close have this it. Right now. You, oh. oh, I have it. It was. Oh, so I still have access weird. to all this shit, dude. Yeah. Well, it's just funny because I uh-huh. uh, people to um uh my process. I guess back then maybe I was doing maybe we we're taking edits into different places. Or you this ha- is, you must have a copy a, of the one shared with the editor. This is correct. Okay. All right. Because that the way correct. people really don't like when I share my writing process. Um, but. Uh, I picked this up at Kotaku. I have an article that's just called Whatever Patrick is Writing. And every day, every week, every month, for five years, I just write the articles that I write into that. When they are finished being edited, I copy and paste that into the CMS. I delete it, and I use the same doc every day. Like, I don't save individual drafts of my piece. Like, what do I need a draft? Uh, other writers, thing. Yeah. Other writers think I'm like legitimately like have lost my marbles over that, but it's, it works. It works. I save PDFs of my important pieces once they're published, sure. but I, I don't feel the need to keep the, the word docs of it. Um, um, but anyway, I thought it was that's weird very funny when that you, you showed it. me like that you did all your drafts on like a table filled with colored sand. Uh, <laughs> and then at the end of each work day, uh, you just swept your arm over it and restored the chaos. Incredible. Um, <laughs> Let's see. I got Oregon co- Digital. We've covered most of the Austin. ones that I have in my tweets. So if you yeah. if you have any uh-huh. more, we can we can do one or two more before we wrap. You want me to read this one? Is that what you do? You want me to uh, this one here, Rob? Uh, I'll read it to you because it's okay. it's to you. You know, I mean, oh, yeah, so you weird. write it in your own. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Austin, <laughs> uh, but you got to find a voice. You got to find oh, yeah. the voice for Oregon. Well, this Digital. is. Do you know who this is? Do you know who this is? Yeah. Okay. This is Umaragi. Yes, yeah, Umarangi uh, generation uh, developer. Yeah, Austin, as a critic of games, you provide an insight to the medium and a voice which is pushed back against the embedded white supremacy of the space. You, with the rest of the Waypoint crew, have cultivated a crucial lens in the industry, which has paved the way for more voices to come in. To the Waypoint crew, keep pushing the space forward. Let the other discussions catch up at their own speed, but don't stop moving in the direction and pace you are. In the 20th century, it was uh, BIPOC and LGBTI people who pushed film and into the art form we see today. 
We see the film industry play and is still playing catch up to the new renaissance of media critique today. To Austin, as you navigate your way into the medium, you can be a critic from the inside. You can make works which push with the same strength and authenticity your critical lens has. We are all really excited to see what you create. Oh, that was very nice. I take it back. Some of them hit me. That also <laughs> helps I've had three white claws. Uh, so you gotta get me, gotta get me, gotta get that sentimentality we, up. But uh, I don't know if I, I, I'm just gonna buzzed. paraphrase it, but we got we, earlier, we'd gotten a, an email from the, uh, um, from uh, Craig Adams, the designer on Jet, who was like, yes. I'm sorry that I took 10 years to finish the game. It's I really so want to hear funny. Austin's thoughts on the, fi- the final version of the of the game. I'll get Austin I'll, to record a voice memo. Yeah, I'll uh, finish and, it and, and send then, it to me. Yeah, I'll send, I'll send you a voice mem- memo. <laughs> For that episode, let me know. Give me a heads up on when that embargo. You've got that. Yeah, you've got that. Copy I have it. Yeah, that's absolutely. on your PS5. Yes, I also did get Deathloop code. Shout out to the person who got me Deathloop code. Which wasn't <laughs> yeah. either. Do you want to explain how you got that Deathloop code though? After you did, it wasn't a fish. It was. It, it was. It wasn't a fish. a fish, but it was. It was. It was a. Sometimes you have your fishing rod with you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you don't intend to go out to the lake. But you open up a beer, you kick back, you're at the pond. What do you do, not drop the hook? Sure would, love. I can't wait to be sitting by this lake enjoying Deathloop, but Death not Loop. as a critic, just uh-huh. as a guy. Yep, just as a guy. I did a tweet that, that was like, Deathloop is the first game that I'm like, not that I'm not getting code for, and I'm not like... Not the first game I'm not getting code for, because often you just get one code for a thing. And but a game you were like, really, a game that you would have gotten... We got two codes. Right. And like one would have gone to Rob and one would have and gone, one would gone to me. That would have been yeah. the break, breakdown. Right. I, I tweeted also for the record, I do think it's funny that after years of talking about immersive sims and arcane games, Deathloop is the first major release that I won't get to play for early coverage. <laughs> wow. Cut to 15 know, minutes like later. 18 hours into that game. That game's great. I like that game a lot. <laughs> Austin is now the leading key re- reseller uh, online right. for <laughs> Deathloop. <laughs> Fuck. Imagine if I quit Gotta Waypoint. Gotta bridge the gap from the old gig to the new one. Yeah, to the new <laughs> one. What if I quit Waypoint to start a key reselling website? Well, That's- look, there are frequently, when you leave a job... You know, your paycheck doesn't start immediately. It can often take two weeks for that first one sure, to clear. Sure. And like, you got to, you know, you, you, you got to hustle, hustle in those two weeks. That's right. Back when I said. Um, go ahead, Rob. All right, Kato, you can cut this part of it's it's no good, but I do have a question for Austin because it's actually a follow-up yeah. to something you brought up in the last uh, in the last show. So I am fully on board with the pushback against like sort of the idea that we should regress to talking about is the game fun or not. At the, but at the same time, I think you and I have also sometimes chafed against the expectation that you will always play the hits and cover the same context in light of every new game. Like this is just a random example, but it's a really easy one. Like if civilization seven came out tomorrow Mm -hmm. and you and I had interesting things to say about it and we did whatever our take was. And it was, it was an interesting sieve, whatever that might mean. But if there would be an expectation that you would also cover at length, the, uh, like settler colonial underpinnings like the of that series there that that is that is like completely intertwined with the mechanical yeah. unless their mechanics have changed entirely which is hard to imagine but at the same time it is also a conversation yeah. that we have had like many many times and i think this is something i i struggle with i'm not 
I want to be clear. I'm not saying like, I'm sick of these people always asking me to like, you know, like be the sock puppet and say the exact thing. But I do find it a tension where for one, I think having to unpack all the possible context partly as a guard against people who either do not know that work has been done or who will give really uncharitable readings of your work, Mm -hmm. like getting that defensive crouch, I think makes it hard to be a creative critic uh, Mm -hmm. at times where the first thing you have to do is a lit review, not just of the field, but of your own work and things you've said. But how do we square that? I have two answers for this. And one is Austin, the podcast guest, and one Mm -hmm. is Austin, the EIC. The podcast guest is exhausted of uh, with needing to do that every time. Though yeah. I do my best to do it, I, I think I do my best to shout out people who've written about something whenever I can on a podcast. For instance, um, I think it can be bad podcasting, especially when you know that your audience is really stable and that you have like I, we know how many people listen to the podcast and we know what our like new listenership looks like more or less. Um, and that most people have heard us talk to death about why we don't like Civ. You know, I don't play Civ games anymore. I the, the core fantasy does not work for me in a way that is both political and just like gut. Like I, I'm not compelled by it. I'm interested in. I'm interested academically when we played human humankind. Is that what it was the other day? Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I enjoyed that process because I wanted to see how it was playing in that space in different ways. But it doesn't even its version of it. I I chafe against um uh but it's it's hard sometimes to like bring that context into a conversation it's not front of mind it's not your segment it's not whatever um the eic answer to this is like it is actually like cut and dry and i think you can go back and think about how i was which is like the job is the job and like we have to do that work especially in writing i think especially in writing where we have the opportunity to go back and drop in the graph I mean, again, I've edited y'all, both of you, so many times where I've been like, do the lit review, do the one paragraph that, that puts us in conversation with blah, blah, blah. And, but, and again, this is why I'm not the EIC anymore. And it's why I'm stepping away from the podcast to some degree. Also, is that like the joy I get doing the work is less than the stress I have from doing the work right. And, that is difficult because I understand the expectation. I understand that if we were going to do a thing on Civ 7 or whatever, that that would have to be part of the conversation. And at the point at which I'm like, I just want to have conversations with my friends about games. Yeah. Then like, maybe that's telling about how compelled I am to do the breadth of the work. Um, the, the, the actual like pr- procedural answer for me is when I think about the, some of the best stuff we've done on the podcast is when you have pushed us to be even more prepared than we generally are. Where, like, you know, you think about going back to the age of waypoints, where it wasn't just we have our individual notes about a game we played, but waypoints we would come with talking points, a collective doc that we would put together, here are particular conversations we want to have, and that would help shape that conversation. Waypoint radio has never been structured like that because that wasn't the vibe. But I think if we knew you were getting into something like that, having a tool like that would help release the stress a little bit. That's my like yeah. game plan thing. I at the same time, what I chafe against is is also the sense that like it, it's it's frustrating when the expectation is to do the rehearsed conversation and not to have something 
new, if that makes sense. Um, I think that there are times when I've been unable to produce compelling conversation about a topic. I, I'm very glad I'm not part of the Far Cry 6, like, review situation right now. Because, like, I've said what I want to say about that series at this point. Like, I uh, was so high on 2, despite issues that it has, which I've talked about at length. Go look at my NYU talk on at, at practice when I talked about Far Cry 2 and uh, 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 both its strengths as, as being what I thought of at the time as kind of an incoherent text, but also the ways in which part of what it does is to kind of kind of deterritorialize and, and kind of uh, uh, make make consumable um, uh, the kind of trauma of war. Um, so I've done that work. But, but now, you know, where I'm at with that series is like, do I have anything new to say about Far Cry 6 that I, I to be clear, I've not seen that game. I've not touched it. It's not, I've not gone to preview events, like I, nothing there, but like, do I think that game is like ex- exploiting the history of Cuban revolution and is producing a kind of reactionary and regressive? Like my guess is I would probably have that opinion of it. And it, I would write the same type of piece that I wrote about Far Cry three and four and five. Um, and I would have that conversation and be expected to have that conversation because that's like the burden um, to, to do. Um, you know, I think whatever you think about that piece that Kotaku ran, uh, identifying a number of mainstream outlets that mishandled cover preview coverage, uh, failed to talk about the politics in their preview coverage. One of the things that I think, again, regardless of what you think about that actual article, one of the things that Patricia Hernandez, who's the EIC there, said afterwards is that like it's exhausting to be the POC who has to say that shit every time. Um, you know, this is the one of the one of the kind of essential pieces for me that I that I read as an academic was um Kafka towards a minor literature by Deleuze and Guattari, in which they identify this idea of a minor literature, which is a kind of complex idea, but also not that complex of an idea. Uh Kafka as a uh uh a Austrian Jew writing in Germany uh, had this kind of vortex of identity, but he always had to write as a Jew. No matter what he wrote, it would be Jewish writing. He couldn't get away from that identity because it's a marginalized identity. It's a minor identity. Uh, and that gets put on his shoulders in that way. Um, and, and, you know, they're not just talking about this in like a critical collective social thing. They're talking about this in this other philosophical way. But I think that in that more social contemporary moment, being the person who has to raise that same complaint again can be really fatiguing because it doesn't feel like it moves the bar at all. Mm-hmm. But it's important to do it because you're the person who's like, come the fuck on. Are we really da 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 da? We, well, um, we, we had a, a moment of this where when PewDiePie said the N word, I wrote not the write up, but a critical response to that, which you edited. Yeah. Um, and. That's a couple of years old at this point, but yeah. I do remember some of the response to that piece being, hey, you've got the black EIC. Yeah. What's Patrick doing writing that? And I didn't take that personally. I did. Um, well, I know you did. Um, but I think that that same energy that Patricia is talking about yes. there is we felt that with that piece was yeah. like, is the problem with the piece or is the problem that you wanted the black EIC to say it because of what PewDiePie said. Right. And th- th- I think that same tension is just now exasperated by 
partially by the fact that there are, you know, like there, there, you know, as we've illustrated in previous podcasts, there is more diver- like diversity like that. Like, look, go look at all the brand new fucking bylines of Kotaku. Like, yeah, the Kotaku masthead now is more diverse really, than it's ever been. Really ever exciting. Before. Um, yes. But that, like that tension is not new. And I think I think that piece was like the most I have felt that personally at the site where people were low key irritated in a way that um, did not feel fair um, to it's like well, okay you know i mean i get i get what you're uh, that's saying that's a piece but- that i would have edited different because that's how and that's like the eye that i bring yeah. to it but i also think the heart of that piece speaks to something real which is that mainstream outlets have a responsibility to talk about this shit and they didn't in their right. in their preview coverage like that's the heart of it um and and i hope that they do in their review coverage like i hope that it's it's something that and and i hope that they bring on writers who are eager to to write about that stuff in their review coverage um if they if they do a review at all because at this point like i i under i also understand not wanting to review that game as you know ubisoft continues to do xyz like i i i xyz being uh, uh continue nothing 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 <laughs> nothing as they continue to do nothing about the problems uh internally as 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 leadership there continues to do nothing right uh certainly we've seen the steps taken by uh ubisoft employees to kind of try to put pressure on 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 their their leadership their management um but yeah so it's like it's one of those things rob where i like i'm very glad i don't ever have to cover a fucking far cry game ever again because it doesn't feel like it feels like I, I would have to do – I would have to say the words because if I fail to say the words, there would be listeners who thought that I didn't feel the words in my heart. Whereas, in fact, sometimes I'm just tired and like I don't – it doesn't also, feel like it's – you said it before. Like, you know, like even when we yeah. talk about like World Flipper, you know, like – Right, like, I right. think if you, if you were to look at like how we talk about well, games we did it. in the last – But we did it with World Flipper. I did mm-hmm. the whole lead into World Flipper. I went out of my way to make sure. I know you did. And, 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 I, and get you the only, same way. Right. It's, it, but I think like if you were like the last two years, I do think there's been an increasing moment where like when we come up with something, we just want to talk about in that mode of just like, we just want to talk about it because, yo, if you're listening to this, like you've been here, like you know how we feel. Do we need to do 10 minutes where we tell you like all that other stuff or can we just – you know that part of us. And it's tough because like you have new listeners, you yeah. have people who want want you to say it every time, or did you stop believing it? And that's that's stressful. Like that 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 is a that is a, that can feel like a huge burden that makes you not want to engage with certain topics just because As if it's there like are the, topics that are actually unproblematic for you to engage with <laughs> that right. don't also carry because I, I really got it. Sometimes I really gotta think about which caveats which caveats do you not ask for? Do you know what I mean? Like, right, I, right, as right, a black right. man in this space, as a black person in this space, it is, it is, it has been very alienating to see white folks demand more from black folks and people of color at large about issues A, B, and C, and then they go and like consume the whitest media that's and like shout about how the whitest media that's ever been created is actually the best shit the most progressive shit da, 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 da. like and it's and I, i'm not taking away from their love of, of those things do you know what i mean by any means but i but i that there's a double expect there is a, a double standard in place uh across multiple different axes of marginalization and experiencing the type that i have is very frustrating is what i would say um i also say that i think that in general like the the realistic on a more civilized age, a thing I come back to a lot <laughs> is that the, I believe the Jedi have a set of rules that they believe, and then they break those rules 
according to their own personal whims and subjective feelings. And But the rules are kind of a guideline for them. And I think that that's just true for the way people interact with rules writ large. You have a set of things you believe and you take exception to them. And I think that we take we do that in our coverage of things like this. I think that we all have – and I don't think that there is a my, – my claim here isn't and, – and what we need to do is be puritanical in our – and perfect in our pursuit of, of our moral code. It is to be aware of where we're making those – those different things and where we're taking those things. And then and to, when, you, when you're aware of it, you can then take that second step and say, hey, is this – am I being um, – am, am I committed to doing it the way I'm doing it? So for instance, with World Flipper and Genshin, I think one of the reasons why I do that five-minute heads up, this is exploitative, be careful of this, here's the joy I'm getting out of it with this caveat is because it's very clear to me. It, and again, I'm not saying there aren't. Let me finish this this first statement. It's very clear to me what the harm looks like when you like egg people on to go play gotcha games. Yeah. Because it's very easy to imagine someone listening has a gambling addiction or is in a really dark place or just got a bunch of money from inherited scores. Yeah, they won the lottery, whatever. It games is. all the time, and these totally. are actually games where the word applies. Right. And, and can have an immediate material cost. Yeah. Uh, it's so easy for my mind to jump to there. Sure. With the Civ 7 example, Rob, I suspect the people listening to us already are in line with us around settler colonial fantasies. We've had those conversations about 4X games. We've had those conversations about Star Trek. We've had those conversations about uh, you know uh, uh, the, the, the Western genre when we covered Red Dead Redemption. And we've had that conversation a lot, and I suspect our listenership is pretty in line there. And if they went on to go play Civ 7, they would not in- inherit – uh, the ideology of the civilization series that is like has this te- teleological view of history, this very Western centric uh, idea of what, uh, you know, uh, uh, technological progress looks like, all that stuff, right? Like, I, I think that the immediate harm is not the same. And so I'd be more lax in that conversation because the harm isn't as apparent to me. That doesn't mean my calculations can't be incorrect. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right. But that is probably and, and and also most of the time that stuff is not happening. You're not doing that calculation in the front of your brain. It's happening back there. I'm retroactively saying, "Huh, why is it that whenever we do a gotcha game conversation, I jump to give the context, but if we were to talk about Civ Seven, I wouldn't necessarily do that." And I si- I think I suspect it's because of that harm calculation is happening. That that seems right to me. Um, you know. Fuck Kanye West. To quote Kanye West, I'm on TV <laughs> talking like it's just you and me. Like that is what the podcast can be sometimes. Where like you, it the the audience falls away, and sometimes it's the best stuff because that's how you get into the funniest bits. That's how it ends up being us as us. And some of the deeper conversations are also that. Um, but but in moments like that, it can be very it can be a double edged sword because the and this is why writing is such a different thing. It's why mm-hmm. every time we wrote something about one of these things, like I. I was annoying as shit making people do the lit review. I know that about myself as an editor. But there was there was a, a second reason for that too, which which goes back to some stuff we've talked about also in the last couple of days around this, which is you do the lit review in writing because the writing is out there. Whether you wrote it or someone else did, and this industry and this space has a fucking serious problem with short-term memory, as Grace just said in in her email. Like the the writing is out there and and people have done the work on for instance uh, 4x games we've done we've done the work and if we're not pointing at it it will evaporate um and so and even by pointing at it isn't going to do it it isn't going to keep it in the conversation enough but 
I don't know. It's, it's, it's really hard. And I don't think that there is, I think at the end of the day, I, I would hope that the listeners would understand who we are based on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of, of doing the conversations that we've had about this stuff. Um, but I think that that, that answer at least kind of elucidates how those conversations get had or like how you end up saying X about, about A and then Y about B. And like, you don't always do the same thing each time. I don't know. Does that make sense? It does. Um, mostly guidelines, not absolutes, but yeah, I, right. but that, but that, yeah, that is yeah. the world we live in. Like, and you catch us on a different day. The answer changes a little bit based on what our thinking is and <sighs> the topic. Dude, you catch us on a different second. Like if you, if we put a, a topic, if we did that Civ 7 segment at the top of the podcast versus in the second half, it's a different conversation. Like this, this is the thing about podcasts. It has nothing. It is nothing like writing. You don't know the conversation you're going to have. You might have talking points. You might have ideas about things you say. But every podcast I leave going, oh, I wish I could have said this. Oh, I wish I would have talked about this during that segment. That's just that's just conversations. You know what I mean? Every podcast I do, I'm like, going to be tight, 90 minutes. Gonna, gonna <laughs> you. This is a more civilized age. By the way, this is every like <laughs> everywhere I go. I'm like, all right, Zachney, this time the trains are going to run on time. You as host are going to be the conductor of this conversational express. <laughs> and fuck, it's a local again. Yeah, it's a local. You can every feel time. you can you can feel it sometimes when, because uh, you know Rob has hosted when Austin has been out historically and and is now hosting Waypoint Radio. And there was one time a couple of weeks ago where Austin, you had something, you had some conflict, and Rob starts the podcast and just immediately prevents any sort of banter from like we're like thirty seconds and he's he's done his intro and he's like Kato, what have you been playing? And I was like, wow, <laughs> yeah. he is just like. Let's go. I don't even know. He knows what I'm talking yeah, about. I remember he was just like cool. sprinted oh, right okay. to like, nope, like oh, I'm just wrapping an edit he has to get to because <laughs> he's just like, let's go. Like this one Incredible. is gonna work. Did it work? I don't fucking remember. Don't Probably so. not. No. <laughs> but but think about how much worse it would have been if he'd allowed that banter up top. Uh, yeah, true. I mean the biggest like cautionary tale is when we split the Revenge of the Sith recording into two, like for a more civilized age, the, mo- the clearest, like, this is just who we are and we need to accept that was we couldn't get through the Revenge of the Sith conversation on a more civilized age in one take. Oh, right. We had to yeah, break we, it. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We came back. It's like we just got a few last things to hit. It was like the Last of Us 2 conversation with Maddie. Yep. It was like, <laughs> Jesus no, Christ. no, that's an additional that three hours. Four hours and twenty eight minutes or something long. That was <laughs> the difference between the Last of Us one was just two people being like, "I have to leave. Good luck to Bro. the remaining participants in this discourse hunger games." <laughs> last of Us two was the last time was was God. truly the the way I so I got out right before Last of Us two. Right? Was that is that right? Or maybe it was yeah. out yeah. like six months before Last of Us two came out. Something like that. And I was never happier to not have to have it. You know, I already am not a Naughty Dog's person. I, I, Naughty Dog person. I respect sure. their individuals at Naughty Dog who I really like and who I think uh, I know do good work and who like bust their asses. But like, it's a sort of game that I know I'm not going to respond. Yeah, you've never liked their their approach to, yeah. to game so design and storytelling. You know me. I'm like systemic and open, and it's just like not the the thing yeah. I am for the most part. Um. Uh. I 
there are parts of Last of Us One that I really like, is is what I will say, and and there are parts of the the um the Uncharted games that I've played that I think are like really well done, but as a whole, blah blah blah. But the ways in which I saw parts of the community, not the Waypoint community, but the gaming community, like snarl at anyone who dared say a bad thing about Last of Us Part Two, who like people who came for a manual for his piece, uh, uh, you know, analyzing that game in relationship. To Israel and Which Palestine. Spot fucking on. Like Plus, once he unpacked that, I was like, "Bro, holy shit!" Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I've never been like, you know, I, I think that both that Far Cry conversation, but also the Last of Us two one from last from last year or whatever that was. Both of those things speak to the stuff that I was saying last on the, the last week week on radio and what you just said again, Rob, about the like. Resist the urge. Do not give into astonishment. What I basically, what I should have just said on the end of the Waypoint Radio episode was just, do not give into astonishment. Do not give into the sense that like this thing is good because the rope physics. Are you like look at these rope physics? No doubt, the rope physics are incredible. I have no look at me run into this rope. It's beautiful. Incredible. It is beautiful. And and people put real hours into making that work. I'm not taking away from it. I'm not diminishing it. I think that that is a compelling problem. I'm sure to have tried to solve from so many different angles. I get the the part of that part of it, um, and obviously the people who love Last of Us Part Two do not just love it for their rope physics. They they connect to it on a deep level because of characterization, because of acting, because of writing. Like I'm not, I'm and, and because of gameplay. Like, I'm not taking away. I'm not saying that someone who feels a way about a thing should not feel that way. Right. But I saw a lot of I saw a lot of those people raise their voices at. And, and try to shout down people who were trying to to enunciate why this thing did not connect to them, mm-hmm. um, uh, and 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 that those reasons often had to do with with uh, you know questions of politics, questions of identity, the, it, the same territory, the same field on which other people were connecting positively. I saw people connect, you know, come to this thing and and feel struck by it, struck like slapped by it. Uh, and wanted to talk about that experience and seeing those those voices get like shout da- shouted down, seeing places uh, uh, like reset era shut down conversations where like very asymmetrically depending on what your position was about that game, just like deeply frustrating. Um, and, and to see and to see people in the industry and especially folks in in the kind of uh, mainstream press and honestly the mainstream press and the influencer side of things take the, the that kind of stance of like but it's such a great pe- it's such an achievement can't we spend our time on things that aren't achievements you know you know what i mean um and it's frustrating it's frustrating in the same way that it was frustrating to see you know the the sort of like double bind that i saw people get into with cyberpunk 2077 being like needing to do influencer coverage of that game a lot of people did not know that that game was going to be the thing that it was in terms of uh, it's it's you know uh, uh, kind of objectification of uh, you know trans folks and and dehumanization and, and uh, demeaning of trans folks. It's racism uh, against Asian people, like it, it, like all of that stuff. When people sign those deals, you know, to get cyberpunk chairs or whatever, they didn't know that that's the game that they were signing up to, to do. But then they did those deals, and I yeah. saw lots of people squirm around that, but need to find their way into saying. Well, here's a cool thing about the game. Here's here's this. Here's that, and it's it's just it can be very frustrating in in that in that way because there are there are literally moneyed interests and not just interests as in people. There there are 
money practices that keep people in that that system and that cycle. And it's frustrating. It's it's and it's the thing that again, it's what I said the other day is the publisher side has gotten better at at leaning on on those parts of the wider gaming community to provide cover for um to provide cover for for themselves and on certain issues and it can be really frustrating uh, so anyway well i think uh we should call it there we could clearly talk on <laughs> go <that>. forever <laughs> um but this obviously starting, this starting to edge over into late night e3 podcast oh it is yeah, yeah. territory though you want to go another two hours Fuck you, I'll go another two hours. Seven hours, let's go. God, E3. If there's one thing I'm mad about, it's that we didn't get a big final E3. Yeah. I'm glad we got the one we did. Um, Where were we? Oh, we were in that nice place. The nice place, yeah. The pizza didn't show up that time. The pizza Mm -hmm. ran out of cheese. Pizza ran out of cheese. Shut the fuck up. What the fuck? Look, there's always got to be something surreal at one of these things. Um... Yeah. Anyway, it, it would have been the best nice. one. You cooked for us. Oh, that was so good. I God, I'm just I'm just remembering when the fat cap on the pork butt caught fire under the broiler, just as <laughs> Art showed up, and the house was <laughs> filling with smoke. And so everyone's like, "Hey, Art, how's it going?" And I'm like, "Hey, nice to meet you." And then, meanwhile, there's like a blazing pork butt in the in the, in the, uh, in the uh, oven. You saved it. It was still good. What was oh yeah, doing? it was great. It, it was, was great. It was delicious. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I don't remember. Sorry, this. To, sorry to Art's uh, baking pan. Um, I did no, my no. best to get it back to him. Um, I know. I know. I, know. I, I messaged him. About him. I'm happy to replace it, but um, sadly, the people I entrusted it to to get it back to him destroyed it, oh. and then pronounced it substandard cookware. So what am I to what am I to do? <laughs> Um, but anyway, I think we'll we'll call it a night there. Um, Austin, I was hoping to pick your brain about how best to expose Patrick to the wonderful world of Stalker. And uh, is that what's oh next? yeah, we didn't touch on any, we didn't oh, do yeah. any of that stuff. Do I make can him I read? You a question? Got- let's ask. Let's ask. Can I ask you all a final question? Which yeah. is uh-huh. just like, what is the vision? Like, what's next for Waypoint? Like, obviously schedules, which is big. That's a big change. <laughs> yeah, crushing. But like when you think about it, what gets you excited about what the future holds at this point? If this doesn't work, how do you can cut this? No. <laughs> Patrick. Yeah, I mean, I think that is in some ways uh, when you just stuck on to do the podcast, like that would have been the moment where we figured stuff like that out. And we in some ways didn't. But then. The fact that you stuck around and we got Waypoint Plus off the ground gave us a certain editorial dependence where now we are figuring like we are having like very realistic conversations about hiring people and like there is enough money made from wait. If it was just me, Kato and Rob, I love all of y'all, but like I I don't know that like any of us would be like super happy if like that's what we were doing Mm -hmm. a year from now. And I think, you know, in the context of talking about like earlier about like how I feel my job and my role, like part of like me getting older is is like, man, I, you know, some of those exciting stuff for the last couple of years was like working with Natalie and Danica. And specifically what I mean is like people who are younger than me, like interested, like getting started, like figuring out what their voice is like, you know, stuff like that is what I think about long term. Like, you know, getting through, you know, there's all these different 
pieces of red tape we got to get through going forward. And mm-hmm. um, we'll see where that all ends up. But they're all re- very realistic things. But it's like it's that is like trying to find those people again, trying to get to get to work with those people again. That's part of like what made working here like reinvigorating was to be around people like that and to do the, the fun stuff that we did. And so, you know, it's like finding how do we do that? Like, okay, if we can't do it in the short term and hiring, it's like, well, maybe we have more guests come through on the podcast so we can like use like the most constant thing that we have, which is like an extremely dedicated, awesome audience that listens to us twice a week, one, including sometimes talking about Ted Lasso for an hour and 15 mm-hmm. minutes. Um, that segment yeah. rocked, by the way. Like, yeah, it was great. Again, yeah, so was good fun. segments. I came out of the episode being like, I'm not tired. I keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so, and I think that that's that, that's a lot of what I think about is like, how, how do we cycle in those new voices? And like, what are the windows in which we can bring those new voices in? And like, it's a lot of us figuring out like, what is the what is in the realm of possible? Still within the corporate structure of like, uh, you know, like we've had three months of Waypoint Plus and it took several months to get a code made so that you could spend any of that money to do anything. Um, and so some of that stuff is short term, some of it's medium term, some of it's long term. But I guess it's hard to be like super specific because like that's a lot of the work we're doing right now. Like we yeah. had a big meeting on Friday that was like, let's do a schedule. We're going to start doing a newsletter that explains what we did at the end of the week. Like. Just little things like that where we start building a space for like, what have we done? What do we want to do? How do we do this with the group that we have and building this foundation so that when we bring other people in in the future, we can start figuring with that, what with all that is. Because I don't really know. And I'm not all that interested in defining it too specifically because I think that's going to be defined in the same way that as we brought in, you know, wild cards like a Natalie, like, you know, and Danica, like, that was in even Kato, right? Like that was defined by the people that got brought in. And so I think it's getting ourselves in a place where I think because we all worked together for so long, we didn't have a whole lot of structure and foundation because we kind of just knew each other so well and could just make it work. So like, how do we do the work to get that in place? So then we bring in someone new, we can, we can try and capture some of that energy again. And, and so that, that's the part that I'm excited about. I think. For me, I, I think part of it is the experience of the first five years of Waypoint and really like the first two years I was there where it was like on all fronts sort of besieged by the orc and like yeah. always feeling like you're trying to do more with less. But at the same time, like I think I often find like a metaphor for the experience was like how much effort was poured in trying to make Lobby One do things. The Lobby One was just not fit for purpose for and it's what we had right yeah it was like we have to retrofit it to whatever we need it for and so i think to some extent like the immediate answer austin is like i think it's someone patrick was alluding to there it's deeply um mundane in some ways where it's like i want to have shored up systems and structures that like the balances are right and we're coming from a place of like strength and stability uh-huh. Rather than that hyper reactive footing we were always kept on in those early years, where they were like, "Okay, the you know this this next quarter you're doing something completely different." Yep. Okay, stop doing that. We didn't like it. Do something different. And you here, did the numbers, by the way. You hit all your KPI. You did. You did it. 
We right. told you to do something numbers. ridiculous, but we changed <laughs> the numbers, or we didn't give you numbers until it was too late, or you did them, but someone new was in charge, and he really likes streaming. He really likes podcasts. He really likes short form. Like, wait, that person is gone, and the new person doesn't like all these podcasts, yep. or they want them to be narrowly tailored to your area of like expertise and we don't and understand we've also why already made like a deal you. with twitch that's going to kind of hobble you in some other areas and you're just going to have to live but with that contract <laughs> also by the way we trust you'll you'll figure it out so we're not going to give you more resources like truly we i was told multiple times that like what the problem was way one of the things that waypoint had was the curse of competency that it never felt like we were going to fall apart and so they never gave us resources because they trusted that we would figure it out because we kept figuring it out. And so we were doomed ourselves by like hitting those goals, basically. <laughs> so anyway, so I think that's kind of the first answer is like finding what are the right systems and structures for this new world? Like, I think something that not to peel back a curtain here, but we do selfie valves and we have conversations with our managers and Emmanuel and Jason who are awesome. Um, but one of the things they really like sat me down and like tried to hammer home was Waypoint Plus changes what Waypoint is. And you need like Austin, when you said, Rob, you do all these podcasts, that is the work. Like you like don't discount that. Mm -hmm. But I do. I instinctively am like, but that's not words on page. That's not posts per week. That's not showing up in domo. Right. Um, I can't cash that check. Like Right. Even though Waypoint Plus does much but it's a much better business model. Yes, but hmm. the thing they're trying Patrick, to hammer home was watch draft day on a Tuesday afternoon at two p.m. Well, they'd all going to be winners. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I'm just saying, normally fifty-four is a plot full of frights. You know, but I'm just you know, this is one of the things where like I would normally in the psychology that you're setting up be like, I can, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't play games during the day, and I'm certainly not going to watch a movie during the day. But I watched all the, with the exception of like. 30 minutes of an Ava thing where I said, I need a glass of scotch for this and I can't do it at three in the afternoon and I'm going to save it for the night. Like I've tried to change that mentality to be like, no, like that is the work and like that I'm going, I'm going to reframe how I spend my day and the structures we have in place to, to think about it and address it going forward. But once those systems are in place and like start from what you know, you can do comfortably and capably and reliably. Like, what are the next steps? What are the next swings I, I want to take? I want to take swings that, like, I know we can follow through on. Like, I, you know, a conversation I, I return to, uh, you know, a, a lot is this scene where uh, we, Weebae is talking to his kid uh, when Weebae's in the joint. And his kid's, like, you're trying to learn how to work his corner. And it's not clear. And ultimately, the, the, the lesson's going to be, like, Weebae's kid isn't cut out for this. But Weebae's like, you're either real or you ain't. Mm -hmm. You have to show up and be able to, like, deliver that. Or, like, the street's going to know. But that kind of goes to everything, where you have to be able to show up and get the work done and, like, connect again and again and keep showing up and doing it. I think, for me, the, the next steps after that is... As we expand those topics, like, don't just do content for content's sake. Like, if we're having a conversation, I want there to be some essential reason why we're having it. Even if it's superficially trivial and goofy and fun, mm -hmm. I want there to be some sort of, like, heart of 
real critique or insight that we're bringing to it, right? Like, like I think even a lot of our goofiest um, projects, we do end up bringing that kind of lens to things. And I want to bring more people into that and give them a chance to approach topics in that same way. We've alluded to this and I get a lot of, we, we always have gotten a lot of emails about this where people are pushing us to find more diverse voices. Understand where that comes from. But I want people to be free to be themselves and I want people to be free to be people and not like always be under the pressure to be a diverse voice. You know what I mean? I do not want people to come in and be forced to go on, perform the take for me. I've got a lot of white guilt. I need to work out through here. And I, you know, I need you to come here and make me feel better about that. I want the diversity of background and perspective to not be constrained to topics where that diversity is immediately applicable. Um, and that's kind of the, the next stage of this is like, let people engage with topics they're passionate about, not because they are providing us some sort of cover or delivering on an expectation an audience is projecting onto Waypoint from where we've been in the past. But like, let them find what they're passionate about and want to speak about now, whatever that may be. Yeah, nothing has ever turned me on anything faster than someone bringing me onto a show and then the second that the conversation moves with momentum in a, a direction that they didn't expect for them to like usher me back to talking about black shit. Do you know what I mean? Like the yeah. idea of like, well, wait a second, let's get back to race. And it's like, I can talk about race all day, but like you, you heard me get excited about this other thing because it turns out on top of being black, I really like all of this other stuff. I'm also all of these other things. Um, on top of being bi, I'm also all this other stuff. And like, you can't just require me to only, not just require, one, yeah, require me to speak on that all the time, but also limit me to speaking about that all the time. And so I definitely hope that, one, y'all get headcount soon because you deserve <laughs> it. Waypoint Plus is a success. Um, I'm leaving. You need to you need to be given that the people here. I know people here are listening who wanted to snap their fingers and make that so that it isn't that easy. But I hope that it gets that it happens. And and I and I I really do believe that you'll end up bringing on people who are great and, and who complement your voice as well. I'm excited, excited to be a listener. Well, and hopefully, occasionally, still a guest. Yes, um, I, I will. I, you know, no promises on the extremely near future stuff, but bait our be finest Austin traps. Um, <laughs> put put tasty topics under a box on the stick. Oh, um, dish. <laughs> check it in the morning. See if we got a pod. Um, I I got to be careful because I almost messaged y'all last night talking about. Let me come on and talk about Death Loop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we talk. Let me it's talk so about it's. It's so funny uh, because we specifically part of the structure as we're talking through like this week's of the podcast. Now we're gonna do that in the future. Was all right. We will just do like 30 minutes. I was like, Rob, start the podcast. I got a framing device for you. We're going to do 30 minutes of Deathloop. Just explain to me what the structure of Deathloop is. And then we're done with that 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 part of it. And we'll come back with our guest on Thursday. And I laughed because I was like, damn, like, I bet if we DM'd Austin, like he's played like a shitload of this game, he would do it. And I was like, no. I would do it. I would have done it. No. Actually, I slept in. I slept <laughs> through the podcast today. 
This is what I, like I really I went to bed at like twelve thirty last night and I slept until like eleven forty five this morning. Oh, Good, but we like, didn't I record fucking, until two. Well, actually, so you could have rolled right. Oh, sorry, I couldn't have made it because I was busy playing Deathloop. Yeah, there you go. There it is. <laughs> I think I'm nearing the end. What is Austin going to we'll do see. when the Outer Wilds DLC comes out later oh. this month? I'm worried about it. We're not worried about it. I'm excited about it, but like, am I ready? You know? Mm. Well, anyway. Uh, talking about high stakes. Um, yeah. How do you how do you follow up? Uh, <sighs> who, who could say? Anyway. Um, this has been a great conversation. Yeah, I'm glad. I've, I'm glad I cried last time, so I don't have to do it this time. <laughs> <laughs> I've. Uh, it's it's such a it, it is such a weird thing because the thing is we're all going to continue talking to each other yes, and yeah. like seeing each other. like literally Austin and I continue to like <laughs> we have to talk about a more civilized age. Yeah, I have to go watch <laughs> the Star Wars episode so we can record this weekend. Um, but at the same time, like it is. I think in some ways it can be a strange melancholy because it can be a weird thing to quali- like qualify. Like on the one hand, nothing's changing. On the other hand, like next Monday is going to roll around. Austin's not going to be part of that. And then the week's going to roll around. There's going to be like just a rhythm and an expectation that like, hey, I'm going to bounce something off you. Let's have these conversations. And that's kind of the weird thing is like the – you're still present socially, but like absent as a coworker. And there's sort of that immediacy and intimacy. And uh, I will miss it. Um, you like working with you as a coworker has been uh, an experience I have treasured and always will. Thank you so much. It has been a dream to work with y'all. Um, uh, not just the three of you, but also everyone who ever did come to Waypoint, you know, Mike, Danielle, Danica, Natalie, um, again, Joel, again, we did this whole thing the other day, but like, <laughs> Y'all are here right now, so so again, let me say that like in terms of comrades in arms and people who like have done the work with me and like people who I'm happy to to be able to tell countless E3 stories and stream stories and you know Patrick, I think about that 72 hour stream and we've t- we've said this before, but let me say it again. How many times we were just like, all right, we're gonna get through it. We're gonna figure out this segment. We're gonna okay, who is this? I don't know who this is. Neither of us know who this is. I'm looking at a wall. Yeah, I'm looking at a wall, and someone's filled in these Excel sheets. I don't know what that is. Do you know? I don't know what that is. You need to go upstairs and sleep for six hours. So I need you to. I need you to. I know you're not going to go home, but I need you to go upstairs and find a couch. Patrick, the cow is coming. What if the cow falls through? Go away for six hours. The stream will keep going regardless. I was sure that cow was going to fall through the roof. I was so sure it was going to fall through the roof. Oh my god. Fuck Action Bronson. He wasn't part of that, but he was part of another thing. And that's mm. all I'll say about that. Mm-hmm. Real ones now. Kato, uh, uh, I just want to say thank you for for being just uh, incredible and flexible and like picking up the ball uh, in a way that that was a lot to ask of you overnight. You were a mod <laughs> when we brought you on, right? Um, yeah. And Joel was like, well, what about Kato? Kato lives here. Kato's in New York. Uh, like, oh, let's talk to Kato. Let's interview Kato. Kato lives here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he will. Um, and and the way that you, you, you kind of just like you took things, uh, took the bull by the horns. And like, I think a lot about how quickly you figured out the audiogram stuff when you first started and 
the way that you've been able to interface with all parts of the company and, and stuff like that. You've come, you came out the gate really strong and you've come a long way uh, and you've always taken notes extremely well. Uh, and you've always had the hunger in a way that is rare, um, that is easy to to slip away. And I've not seen it slip from you, which is impressive because <laughs> you've been fucking through it with us in all the ways that are like that grind you down and make you go, oh, this fucking sucks. Yeah. This this is an industry. This is the space. This right. isn't a, a community. And I think that you you retain that love, and and I hope that that I, I have no doubt that it will continue. So yeah. it's been an honor working with you. I'm super happy that that all of us get to continue to be friends. I'll keep messaging y'all uh, uh, about I don't know football and <laughs> world flipper and immersive sims and everything else that that is us. So you work out the- your takes privately through us. That's exactly yeah. it. That's uh, I was talking to I was talking to Janine a few nights ago. We were watching something, and she was like, "It hit me. It hit me. It hit me hard." And I was like, "What hit you?" And she was like, "You're gonna need a place to put your fucking takes now. I'm gonna have to hear all the shit you think about video games now, aren't I?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's probably true. Sorry, that's probably true." Uh, so I'll offload okay. some of that to y'all. Uh, sorry, Kato, I, I stepped on you. Were about to say something? No, no I mean, yeah, just like I wanted, obviously, to say. Thanks. I've also said thanks privately. Kato sent me a very nice message that made me feel good and made me sad, but made me feel good. Yeah, it's just a a thing that people don't get to see or understand really about what your position was before you were stepped back from EIC is not just like obviously edits and obviously like the business side and shit, but also just like, I mean, I'm a fucking anxious person and I think I like... I feel like I overstepped my bounds sometimes with you as like my direct, like not really direct, uh, uh, superior, but like the person that yeah. I felt the, the most connected to day to day. Um, and you were always just so patient and kind with my, like, yeah, it was like, it was a lot to come into this space and not really understand. And like some of that, like flexibility comes from, you always have to fucking hustle and, art you don't know what the fuck you're making next or like where the next like opportunity will be so you have to be ready for the neck to roll with the next punch but it's still mm-hmm. anxiety inducing it's still stressful to be in that and you were like you did Thanks. managing like on a personal level in such a like kind and considerate way and i just like cannot I thank you enough for. Let me tell you, I had my ups and my own and my downs as <laughs> as on all sides of management over the years, yeah. all sides of trying to help people, and all sides of like. One of the things you learn doing this is like, it can be really hard to know how much to shoulder in terms of trying to be there for the people who you work with, mm-hmm. where your job is, where your where that line ends, and where you need to like hand it off to somebody else and when someone's just going through a bad week or when someone is, or when there was something truly wrong with, with the way the workplace is set up and it's just like hitting them wrong and like how you change that. Um, and I'm, so it is a relief to hear that I did, that I did an all right job, <laughs> uh, with you. Um, so again, yeah. thank y'all. I'm glad we got to do this. I'm glad that we got to go out on this one. It was touch and go for a second there. I was a little, I was a little bit too in my feelings at first to be sure I'd be able to do it, but we got there. You just dug deep into that grind set. And And also this case of White Claw. (laughs) (laughs) Slowly warming next to the microphone. Oh, you mean my wedding beverage? They're still chilly. Yeah, they're still kind of nice in there. I still got condensation. We're good. Wow. I'll have another.
<laughs> All right. Uh, Austin, one last time. You want to take us out? Tell the people no, what to do? No, I said it was the last word. Uh, I, yeah, you know. Yeah, I'll do, mm. the, I'll do everything else, but you have to do the final words. This is the passing of the torch. All right. I don't know what you're going to oh, say. Are but you going to make something. him? Do- <laughs> well, the way. Okay. Okay. I don't know because hey, I heard shit, it Patrick. <laughs> is that what it is? Is that the new sign off? Uh, shit, Patrick. Well, Might as no, well be honest. I mean, that's Rob's energy every day. Um, <laughs> no, no, it'll all. As always, can't, you can follow <laughs> us. Twitter.com slash waypoint, waypoint.vice.com. This time I'll remember it. I actually don't know what the music is for this. Is this, is this too mellow? What are we doing? It's gonna be slide asleep again. Slide asleep, slide asleep probably, by yeah. Too Mellow, which which you can find uh, at Mellow Makes on Twitter or Too Mellow Makes dot Bandcamp dot com. M e l l o. Shoutouts to Mellow, and because I didn't say it last time, also shoutouts to Bowen for letting us use the uh, song "Miss You" off the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that at Waypoint Zone slash B O E N. That's not on this, but that's on Waypoint Radio. Um. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Kato? At A underscore Kato underscore appears. Patrick. At Patrick Klubbick. And Rob. At Rob Zachney. Is there anything on the website? Let me just do it the right way. Is there anything on the website people should go read? Let me just like <laughs> this suddenly. This is going to go up next Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, well, what's, what's up? What's going on on the website next what's week? What's going on next Wednesday? I thought you had oh, check out my Lost Judgment review. Your what? Oh, sh- Lost stop Judgment. <laughs> You're going to review Lost Judgment by. He's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. Remember that time? Oh what game was God. that? Death Stranding. Death and, Stranding. Um, what was He's the other gonna game? He's going to do it he- again. I, I, the only one I remember is Death Stranding, where we were just like, there's no fucking No, way. but he reviewed two games back to back. Was it? Oh, God. Was Last of Us right on the heels of that? No, Last of no. Us was June. Okay. Um, was it? Wait, when was Death Stranding though? November. Okay, that was yeah. But we got the, we got the code a month in advance, back to back. And but Rob, Rob like accepted the code and then went on vacation. It was just like, what <laughs> the fuck are you? And he was like, no, I'm gonna. Kato, when movie. I do that, it rules. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Fucking Christ. Oh. But then he played it and had like strong emotions about it. And there he are did. times with Rob where you just need. Yes. What you tell him is, look. I know you will actually take the time you need. Uh, I understand there's nothing I can do here. Um, this is also <laughs> to the stop that I take. There's nothing. I, this is also the tech that I take with Austin. I was like, okay, I'm going to like let you go like a toddler and I'm going to need you to do your thing. Go play your video game and then write your really good review. That's uh-huh. very insightful. But uh-huh. then I also need you to take like two days off and like yeah, go the fuck yeah, away. Cause you should, you shouldn't have done that. Too uh, many times I messaged y'all from a diner booth at 5. AM talking about, you know, there's a draft in the feed. I'll be up at <laughs> nine. Guys to get notes. Up. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> anyway. Fuck. What was that other game? Does it control? No. 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 Doesn't matter. I'm trying to find it, but I don't I don't see it. Uh, this was 2020, I there right? There were two things. Yeah, I thought yeah, I Oh, the, wow. Outer Worlds and Death Stranding were Death Stranding. Oh my God. Yes. There it is. Was 2019. There it is. That was 2019. Yeah. There it 2019. is. 2019. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That was those two games back to back. What the fuck, Zach? Christ. Yeah, what were you thinking? <laughs> That's yeah. brutal. Yeah, those are two long games. Yeah, One of them 45 games. hours and the other Patrick and I were both like there's no way don't make him like you can't there's not you're not going to get through it October then November wow and that was right after I left that's why those both felt fell on you was I left editorial in, in October right I think we talked about the oh, end maybe of, you would want to do one of one them. of those and then yeah. Rob was like but what if mm-hmm. I do both of them <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh-huh 
unbelievable. It seemed a better idea at the time. Let me tell you, I didn't expect Death Stranding to be the one that I was looking back on oh, being like, yeah, way to go, Death Stranding. I'm <laughs> so excited to play Death Stranding Director's Cut. That's going to be one of my big, like, luxurious games. I don't need to care about how long it takes me to beat. Can't yeah, wait. That rules. Anyway, now that I've uh, sidetracked us in the outro, it's yep. been a proper outro, yeah. which is what mm-hmm. I was hoping to do. I have to really get the real Austin Walker. Really, as we're my almost recording done. says, two, two hours, 57 minutes, 24 seconds. So you're just like, how do we get this I to think, three? How do we get to three? How, how do we get can to three? I get we just a- cross three on mine. I don't know. There's enough on here. There might <laughs> be enough. Good. Might be All enough. right. If we'll you got to like, like kind of if you got to take like a section and slow it down to like 96 percent where yeah. no one yeah. can notice but you know you're adding yeah, make sure that the yeah. pitch doesn't change at all it'll be good it'll be fine it'll be good it'll be good <laughs> anyway rob what do we what do we what do we tell them when we wrap yeah, up rob, here? what do we tell them <laughs> we tell them fuck capitalism go the fuck to sleep No, that's no. It's no, yeah, all part yeah, of the continuum. Yeah. <laughs> I'll hear it. I'll hear it tomorrow. Yeah, you will. You will hear it tomorrow. God. I just also would say that this is one of the wildest overtimes they've ever seen. So oh, dude, I was, is I, it still going? I, what? Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. They just finished. They the, just finished. Oh, oh don't say shit. I haven't really checked anything, Patrick. So I got two Fuck. Manning brothers and a whole stack of football to watch. <laughs> Uh, waiting hell. all day for so Monday say, night. Here's what I would say is you don't care about the first three quarters of the game and okay. you'll be very interested to watch the fourth quarter on through okay. whatever good. happens. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Have a good night, y'all. <laughs> night. Peace.